five. Now this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out whenever possible. Put on side one of Rock All Over You Podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin! Edwin and Eric! They don't give a fuck! They just want you to rock! Yeah! Bam 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 dilly dee! Bam bam bam! Christmas, everyone, and that's right. We say cri- Merry Christmas on this podcast because we don't give a shit. Oh man, I am joined today by always by my friend Edwin Canastracci. Merry Christmas to you, Edwin. Unless you uh, are you like Jewish or something, or you celebrate Kwanzaa like one of those other holidays. Uh, I'm Italian American. You okay. don't know that about me. <laughs> I feel like everyone knows that about me. I don't know. Maybe you have like some. I don't know. Maybe you're like half Jewish or something. I knew you're Italian, but. Yeah, you, no, no. Are you are you a Christmas person? Do you celebrate Christmas, my friend? I'm well. I mean, I was baptized Catholic because you know all Italians, kind of like Latinos, you know, we're Catholics. Oh, Molotov. But, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Okay, you really. I'm you, already you, a little drunk. <laughs> you're a real Midwestern Protestant. You don't even know the difference between a, a Jew and a Catholic. <laughs> but well, I, I used to get mistaken for a Jewish because I have a really I, I got a pretty big nose. 
But um, hey, I, I don't mind, you know, bringing Jewish I, people I, are cool as fuck. You got nothing on me. I've been mistaken. I'm sure Ralph has had the same issue, you know. <laughs> when, when you're darker and ethnic looking, people get confused by it, especially if you hang around white people. They get. <laughs> I don't entirely identify as white only because I've never been treated like I was white my whole life. Going to high school, people would walk up to me and go, like, what are you? What are you? <laughs> Ralph, Ralph. Oh, and by the way, we got Ralph Vieira with us. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit, I'm here. <laughs> the one and only. So, so oh, Ralph, yeah. always a pleasure to have you on. Of course, everyone knows who you are. You're the podcast king. So we don't have to do too much of a preamble of you. You could jump right into this shit. When in high school, because didn't you go to school with like a bunch of white people? Did they always walk up and ask you what you were? I never went to school. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, you avoided that problem. Then. Yeah, man. I mean, I went to school, but I never went inside. <laughs> so what, what about the, the, the dirt bags outside? They didn't, like, wonder what you were? Uh, no, because I've always had long hair, and uh, I now that I have short hair, you know, because I live in a place where it's full of Cubans. Yeah. Uh, when I had long hair, I'd walk into any establishment, and they'd with their broken English, can I help you? Yeah. And then I, I uh, cut my hair short, and they're like, como esta? You know, that, uh, <laughs> having long hair, uh, I don't look Cuban. Having short hair, I look Cuban. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, because mm-hmm. it puts a little more emphasis on your, your face rather than yeah. just like, oh, there's a headbanger, dude. You know, there's yeah, a I, I, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I got, when I was in Italy, I visited the old country once. It's like, uh, so I visited Italy, and my ex-wife was with me, and she was like, she wasn't my ex then, but she was laughing. <laughs> she was laughing because uh, literally, like, Italians, like real Italians, not Italian-Americans, like legit Italian-speaking Italians, would walk up to me and ask me directions in, in Italian. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess I looked pretty Italian. I was just like, uh, I don't speak your language. I should. But, <laughs> but, yeah, no, no, people were always confused by me. So, Eric, no, I'm, well, I'm a non-practicing Catholic. That's what I am. Right. Well, do you hey, have a I, Christmas tree up in your house? I, I live in a condo, and and no, I don't have a Christmas tree. I'm not, oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big Christmas guy. I'm gonna just yeah, you mentioned that the last episode. Yeah, I'm not a big Christmas guy. <laughs> I'm not, like, anti-Christmas. All right, well, before we, before we start this episode, obviously, you know, we're doing an Elvis episode in honor of Christmas and the holidays, because... Elvis did himself quite a couple of Christmas albums, and I don't know, there's something about Elvis that's just kind of, it almost is Christmassy. So this one is for our Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever the hell you fucking celebrate as. Scientologist, I think they celebrate Tom Cruise Day or whatever the fuck it is. So this is for the holidays, and this is some Elvis for you. And there's two very special people I want to dedicate this episode. Uh, two of our angels in heaven, well, I think one of them's in heaven. Uh... I want to dedicate this to my beautiful grandma, who sadly, you know, passed away a long time ago, and uh, I, I love her to death, and uh, she was a big Elvis fan. You know, she came here from Lithuania, that's how she learned English, was through Elvis Records, and she was just a massive fan. She had Elvis merchandise everywhere, and I want to dedicate this to her, because she's the reason I have my love for Elvis, and his music helps keep her memory alive. So this one's from my grandma. And also, too, I want to dedicate this to Ralph's co-host, uh, Mr. Ian Wadley, who, sadly, when he found out Ralph was doing an episode dedicated entirely to Elvis, um, his heart couldn't handle it, and his liver couldn't handle it, and he sadly has passed on. And I know he's rolling over in his grave here in this episode, but Ian, this one's for you, brother. 
Yeah, cheers to cheers you. for Ian. There you go. For, um, I'm devastated by the passing of Ian. Um, I wrote a song uh, dedicated to him, and I really don't want to play it yet because people will probably rip it off. But if you don't mind, would you mind if I play it backwards? No, oh, totally. Play it. Go I'd love it. to hear it backwards. Yeah, that way people can't rip it off. All right, here it goes. <clears throat> Let me put it on here. All right, here it goes. There's no music. It's only vocals. Oh, right. nice. Here it goes. <clears throat> Turn me on, dead man. Turn me on, drunk man. Turn me on, drunk man. Turn me on, drunk man. That that's it. That's backwards. Ooh. Oh God, it's got to be really exclusive. Forward. <laughs> I, yeah, it's great. It's sad. Listen, we all love Ian Wadley, so yeah. it's very sad. But I think you know he would want us to have a good time, and we know how much he loved two things. He loved Elvis Presley, and he loved Christmas music. He so, did. So you know, so this is a very fitting tribute to him. And, and rap. Uh, you know, what's your history with Ian Wadley's favorite artist, Elvis Presley? What's, what's your history? You, you were telling us that you only got into him in recent years, right? Well, about 10 years now. Maybe, you know, I'd say maybe 12 years. since 2020 around there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've, of course, I've been aware of him. I remember when he died, you know? I mean, I mean I, that was huge news. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask Ian, because yeah. I, I was saying to Ian, you know, Ralph probably remembers when he, he died. He wasn't oh, yeah. How, you I were was, like 10 or something, right? Uh, 12. 12, 70, wow. 77, right? Yeah, that's right, 77. Yep. So, so what's your what was your take on that? Were you already, some, I guess, aware of Elvis to some oh, degree? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I knew, like, Hound Dog and Don't Be Cruel, like the hits. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at that time, it wasn't until, like, the following years when I got into music. I was totally into uh, movies as a kid, and it wasn't until... Kansas carry on my wayward son that was like opened the door for me and I got into ELO and then Kiss really like was the ultimate gateway band to get me into hard rock and stuff and you know and then it was like oh if it ain't metal it's crap and it wasn't until like you know like around the late 80s 90s when I started uh you know getting into I mean I always loved Cheap Trick and uh, yeah but when I got into the Beatles that's when I really expanded my musical horizons and then you know 10 years later i saw what was it that i saw i saw that oh this is funny uh you ever i think it's called this is elvis you're not movie this is elvis yeah the the documentary where where he narrates the whole thing oh yeah that's a great that was like a vintage one from like the early 80s or something yeah it's an older documentary with the narrate so they got like some actor doing an Elvis voice, talking about his life to the real clips, right? That's it? Yeah, and my, my guitar player's mom was a huge, huge, still is a huge Elvis fan. She had Elvis all over the house. And I'm watching it at the house, you know, and we're watching it. And then afterwards, we went to band practice. And then, you know, we were talking about the movie. And then my guitar player said the funniest shit. He goes, imagine if uh, if John Lennon had a movie like that where he narrated it. And at the end of the movie, he's like, then I got shot. That was a drag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eddie's called like people. Oh, that Paul McCartney was a real bloody cunt. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then I just started, uh, you know, checking out Elvis stuff. And then I, I, uh, I started buying a couple Elvis albums, like hits and shit. And then when I became a full blown Elvis fan, is when the this was maybe like seven, eight years ago, where he released the album that. It was Elvis songs with an orchestra. 
Yeah, um, I remember when you oh, posted yeah. about that. I love. That's what really made me deep dive into Elvis, and uh, I, 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 I just love the hell out of Elvis. It's just gonna take time, man. Because what do you, what do you have? Fourteen thousand five hundred songs. You know, it's yeah. hard to digest all these songs at once. But I got an iPod with at least a hundred Elvis songs in there. You know. Well, I know well, I know, too, Elvis, you know, was from that era before the Beatles where artists really just released singles, and when they would release now, it was just a big collection of singles. You know, they didn't really uh, have such things as, like, a really a cohesive album like the Beatles started doing. So, man, he, he has, like, so many. They were, like, even me, like, listening to Elvis for so long, you know, I, I haven't even heard all of his stuff yet. The, a good way to kind of, the way... You know, to really kind of dive into Elvis, I found it was a couple of years back, RCA did these um, these legacy editions that were like remasters, and they were pretty comprehensive. What they do is, like, the first disc is the album, and then the second disc is all like the... It's essentially kind of like, you know, the Beatles, like, uh, past masters or mono yeah. masters, but it's like per era. So you'll have, like, like uh, from Memphis, and then you'll have all the singles, like A sides and B sides, from from that period. And sometimes there'll be like two albums from the same sessions, or you know. And they they did it for all the comeback era stuff, and they did it for all the early '50s, like uh, RCA, and also like um, the Elvis is Back period too. And it, they they sound great. They're remastered, and that I found was very helpful for kind of you know diving into Elvis's discography. Because they kind of lay it all out for you, kind of chronologically, and it's like all there, like two disc editions. So I don't know if either of you guys have gotten those, but I highly recommend them. They're, I'll have to check them out. Yeah, it's a it's a good way to kind of get a lot of Elvis. You get a lot of bang for your buck that way. Yeah. yeah. Now, Edwin, how did you get into like how old were you when you got into Elvis? When did you discover him? And then when did you become like a fan? Because I know sometimes you can maybe a lot of people knew about Elvis, but maybe it took a while to actually dive into his music catalog. Well, I guess, like, it's kind of a little like the Beatles. It's like a, I, like, I was already, like, my parents were baby boomers. So, like, I mean, I was kind of, like, <laughs> instantly, I don't recall a time without Elvis or the Beatles. Like, yeah. I mean, he was already, uh, I was born, like, a year after he had died. Uh, but, but, so he was always, you know, deceased in my mind. But I, you know, there was never, like, a world without Elvis, like, that I knew of. You know, that's the thing. Uh, but my mom was a fan. She was a fan. She actually had that the documentary Ralph was talking about, This Is Elvis. She had a VHS copy. It was, like, on HBO. And my mom used to... My mom used to copy, like, you know... She would record things from HBO and, like, on the VHS tapes. Blank my VHS tapes. Yeah, and this was one of the movies she had. She used to watch it. She also had the John Carpenter... Uh, movie, which was like shown on TV a lot in the early '80s, uh, and she, <laughs> and she also had the hots for Kurt Russell. And why wouldn't she? He's a very handsome man. So sexy she, dude, no homo. Very very sexy guy. So uh, <laughs> so she had that. So so I recall watching those movies as kids. You know the documentary that uh, Ralph was talking about and the John Carpenter movie. And I didn't even know it was John Carpenter movie back then. I didn't know, like, hey, the yeah. did Halloween did this. I found it out, like, as a teenager many years later. But also my mom had the Christmas album, and she would play it every, the original 57 Christmas album. I mean, she didn't have, like, an original copy. It was, like, a later edition. But she had that album, and she played it every Christmas. And so, so I always associated Elvis with Christmas because of that. Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, even as a little kid, I always loved like, you know, uh, Blue Christmas. And so I associate and you heard, heard his songs on the radios. And I, I always liked Elvis. So I was always a fan. I, you know, kind of like Rap was saying, you know, when you're a teenager and you're like into hard rock or heavy metal, you're not. I mean, I wasn't like in the mindset to listen to like do a deep dive into Elvis Presley, you know, like it wasn't like, you know, I wanted things that were rocking or. You know, whatever. I was getting into like hard rock and thrash, and then then grunge and shit like that. So it wasn't until I don't know, maybe my thirties, I guess. You know, I'm in my forties now. I would say it was like so. It was probably about the same time Ralph was talking about. It was probably about ten years ago. Like ten years ago is when I was at an age where I think it's because I was getting into country, like outlaw country. I was getting into like Waylon Jennings. Yeah. And, like, Billy Nelson and shit, and I was also getting into Southern Rock, I was like getting into Leonard Skinner and CZ Top, and I feel like, I can't say exactly, but I feel like it makes sense that Elvis would be kind of part of that wave, like I was just getting into rootsier kind of music that I kind of didn't pay attention to when I was a teenager, you know, so I was listening to that kind of stuff, and it was uh, the Sun Sessions originally that kind of pulled me in. Like I had, there was like a compilation of just the Sun stuff from the Sun Sessions, and they were so raw. And I liked the rockabilly stuff, and I was also getting into stuff like Jerry Lee Lewis and Johnny Cash. So I just kind of took it from there. So I kind of start started from the beginning. Like I started from like the Sun Sessions, and kind of worked my way until the music got kind of lame in the 60s like <laughs> it's, 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 it's like yeah, I don't like this and then I kind of you know I heard about this comeback stuff I was like I know this comeback era is supposed to be good and I always loved Suspicious Minds I knew that song I was like okay so let me let me check out this comeback stuff and then it was like ooh I really love this stuff and and so I got into that and over the years uh, I just got more and more into them. I got those like legacy editions, like I mentioned, and they were helpful. And I started like listening to a lot of this stuff. And then, then I got divorced in the past two years. And let me tell you something: Elvis is your fucking boy when you got divorced. <laughs> you oh know? yeah, I have been through a divorce, but I mean, I I, I I can understand. Yeah, so it's like it was like three artists, especially, but Elvis was the top of the three. It was like Gordon Lightfoot, Bob Seger. And Elvis Presley were very helpful to a, a middle-aged dude going through a divorce. <laughs> That's yeah. why you're listening to so much goddamn Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> oh, Gordon was very helpful. Was very helpful. Uh, help, he's helpful with hangovers and he's helpful with divorces. <laughs> so I was just like, you know, you you just get to be kind of a scrappy middle-aged guy, and suddenly this shit, like, you get it. You get like the thing yeah. that Elvis is saying. Like, you know, you start resonating with the power of his voice and how it, you know, just. You know, even though he didn't write songs, he he like he performed them in the truest sense. Yeah. It's like an actor, like a great actor that puts himself into his roles. You know. Yep. And you know, I feel like Frank Sinatra did that as well. And you know, Elvis Elvis was the king. I agree. I think I, I, agree. I agree with Ralph that Elvis is. I'd say he's the greatest singer of the 20th century. Don't you think that Ralph? That he's the greatest singer of the 20th century. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. He had this uh, texture to his voice that was mesmerizing. I mean, but, you know, that's the thing, you know, I, I'm really into singers. It's like my favorite part of any song. I love guitar. I love everything, but singers I always gravitate to. And if you have a good voice, I'm a fan. Same. And Elvis had really the greatest voice. I mean, I, I praise Robin Zander a lot, but 
you know, in a way, Robin Zander adds more of a, uh, what you can say, technically, can range more than Elvis, but it doesn't really matter. Elvis had that, that thing about him, man, where it just, he can, he can be heavy and he can be soft and, uh, all of it just grabs me. I mean, I, I don't think, and you know, watching him live, see, to me, the greatest frontman ever is David Lee Roth because I yep. saw him live. But yeah. looking at footage of Elvis, like that 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 Blu-ray I got, uh, uh, what's the name of that Blu-ray where he plays Vegas? Um, this is it. Is that it? It's it like, like two that, of them. That, I think it's uh, that's the way. That's the way. Yeah, that's the way. Yeah. That, that performance. You know, that's the way it is. Yeah. That's My that. grandma had that one. She would have it on a lot on her TV when I would come over. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just saw that. Um, it was actually per your recommendation, Raph. I checked that out, and I got, oh my god, I was like, God damn, this is amazing. Yeah. And it, it's one of the most. Uh, yeah. When I was watching that, I was like, He is the greatest entertainer ever. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I've never seen him live. You know, so I never had that live impact. But just by looking at that thing, I'm thinking, Yeah, man. If I would have seen Elvis live, I'd probably say, yeah, he probably blows away Diamond Dave. Because I saw Diamond Dave in the prime. And yeah. it was, it was, it's something I can't say in words. It was just special. And Elvis was special. And I can only judge him on, on clips. Even though he did play a couple months before he passed away at the Hollywood Sportsorium, a place that I always went to. And I just recently got um, a book. It's, a, it's more like a pamphlet. It's only 10 bucks. Of some dude that went to sportatorium shows, but he was younger than me, so he didn't see Elvis. But his parents were were hired to work the Elvis show, and you know, and they got to watch it and stuff. And man, a really interesting thing was, and there is footage on YouTube, you know, Super Eight of him playing sportatorium. And um, when Elvis left the building, what they did outside was they had helicopters circling the sportatorium and low and like. Like going low around the, the the bus and shit, so Elvis can leave. It, it like distracted people, which is crazy. They did. That's it. crazy. Yeah, they brought out helicopters to distract people so Elvis can get out. You know, because and you know another thing about Elvis, and you can see it more in that last documentary. Even though you know these uh, these movies, you know they uh, you know they they kind of uh, what do they call that that thing that that last movie? What do they call that? Something. I forgot the name of it. Biopic. Yeah, yeah bi- biopic. Biop. They, yeah, they, biopic is right. Yeah. yeah, they take liberty in the truth, but one thing that, that is very apparent watching it is that who the hell, other than Elvis Presley, experienced that much fame at that time as a solo artist? You know, the Beatles even said, hey, we felt bad for Elvis because at least we had us four. But Elvis was alone. Yeah, and really, really. I mean, that's what hit me so much about that last biopic. How he was such a tortured soul because who can he gravitate to? The only people he can gravitate to were yes people. Yeah, yeah. yes, Elvis. Yes, yes. You know, buy me a Cadillac and shit like that. But he was, um, he was alone, and uh, he was, you know, no, no, no. Frank Sinatra. I don't care who you are, man. Nobody was as huge. I mean, as Elvis back then. And he was a yeah, rebel. Right. Man. He was a rebel. People hated him. And he'd be on the uh, interview saying, I ain't doing nothing wrong. I'm not doing nothing wrong. But, you know, he'd wiggle his hips. And yeah. it would drive everybody yep. fucking crazy, you know. But 
and and he had that voice. He had that he had that mannerism too. He was like a good old country boy, you know, and not racist. I had an argument the other day with some chick saying, "You don't know." I was like, "Well, why don't you look at BB King and 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 look at all these interviews on YouTube with Sammy Davis Jr. and and all these people getting really pissed off at you know." I knew Elvis personally. He was not a racist, you know. But these people, you know, they, they refuse to tell the truth. Now, if we fast forward to Chuck D on Public Enemy where he said uh, he was a flat-out racist, uh, Chuck D had a lecture. He, he got lectured by a bunch of, like, older black yeah, because uh, James, yeah. James Brown's another one. James Brown has clips on YouTube saying about how he was good friends with Elvis and how much he loved Elvis yeah. and how respectful and how they were like, you know, they were like brothers. He considered himself a brother with Elvis, you know? That's yeah. James Brown telling saying that. And, um, but you know, Chuck D now recants what he says, but he does it in such a douchey way. He's uh, like, he doesn't want to admit it, and he has no, like an attitude about he goes, it. He goes, look, yeah, all right, Elvis wasn't, Elvis wasn't uh, racist, yeah, but you know, he ain't the king of rock and roll. What about Chuck Berry? Hey, 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 stick to one subject. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, uh, at very least he admits that he wasn't racist, and he doesn't sing that. He won't rap that line anymore. He changed it to Reagan. He doesn't say. Oh, good, good. I, I didn't know that. Good. Oh yeah, when he performs it live, he he doesn't say Reagan anymore. He says Reagan was a hero to most. He changed it. He doesn't say Elvis. <laughs> so so at least he changed his opinion on that. Even though he did yeah. backhanded way, and he doesn't rap it anymore. So that's good. Because yeah. I that bothered me because I was a, a Public Enemy fan and even when I was a teenager I was like you know you might be right about John Wayne I don't know but I could tell you this Elvis ain't a racist I know oh, yeah I mean it's it, you know today's society it's like uh, I don't know I feel like sometimes they don't have enough problems and they like to point fingers where uh, I mean Elvis Elvis inevitably was gonna make uh, black music popular because you know no. You know, the white kids weren't going to probably be buying Chuck Berry records and all that until they, you know, heard that music from a, you know, a white musician. It was just kind of inevitable, and I mean, he kind of helped a lot of those artists kind of get accepted by like everyone, you know. Yeah, well, let me just say a few things on this because I do I have some opinions on this. First things first, Elvis's first single, "That's All Right, Mama," was out before all those other artists. It was out. Uh, he beat Chuck Berry's first single by a couple months. Um, and he beat Little Richard by a year. Uh, so Are you kidding me? Is that's this? facts. Facts. Wow. facts. Yes, facts. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only quote-unquote rock and roll artist that had uh, a single out before Elvis was Bill Haley in the comments with Rock Around the Clock. That's he it. Was, he was a white boy. <laughs> he was a white boy. Second. Elvis. Second, second, even though obviously black music and uh, blues and gospel was a huge influence in Elvis and That's Alright Mama was a blues song originally but the country influence is just as important to Elvis just as important he was a good old boy from the south he loved blues music and country music and in fact his band the Blue Moon Boys Scotty Moore Bill Black those guys were in Texas, what they called uh, Texas swing bands, you know, Western swing. They were playing country music. They were country fried. They were. It was essentially a mixture. It's not just blues. He's not like just a white guy doing blues music. You know, he had his own kind of. He had his own taste to it. Yeah, it was a mixture. That and that's like the whole idea. That's what's great about music, and that's what brought rock and roll together. It wasn't just black music being played by white people. It was white music 
mixed with black music, you know, and that's yep. what they were doing, and no one else was doing that, and it was innovative, and it broke down barriers, and it did open doors, and plus, Chuck Berry himself, what made was mixing white country music into his style, you know, on Chess Records, which is where uh, Chuck Berry was, it was all blues artists, like uh, Howlin' Wolf and Little Walter and all those guys, Betsy Smith, they hated Chuck Berry, they, it was kind of like Hendrix in the 60s, they thought Chuck Berry was playing white boy music. They thought that then, you know? So, like, Chuck D, like, hey, man, check your history a little bit. Because Chuck Berry was was thought of as playing white music. Because he had, like, if you listen to Chuck Berry, the way he sings, he has, like, a country twang to, like, yeah. how he's singing. He's not singing, like, soul singers or R&B singers in his guitar playing. You know, he was doing what Elvis was doing with Scotty Moore and stuff. They were mixing country and blues. And so I got to say that. So that's something. So it's a kind of a... I don't know, it's reductive and it kind of minimalizes what Elvis and what those Scotty Moore and Bill Black and those guys were doing in Sun's you know, studios. They were mixing music, mixing all these rootsy influence, plus it was all authentic. Elvis was a poor boy in Tennessee. You know, he was living in those areas. He would like go into little black churches and stuff like that. He was poor. It's like it's funny because no one says that and I love the Rolling Stones, but I always thought it was funny that no one talks about like cultural appropriation and stuff with the Rolling Stones, even though they were middle class British guys playing the blues. <laughs> Elvis is literally a poor boy from t- Tennessee, you know, from that regional era, playing the music from that area. You know what I mean? From that, yeah. like he's very authentic. You know, it's not he's not like fucking Vanilla Ice. You know, Elvis yeah. is very authentic, and I think that I, more and more people do seem to know that now so that is a good thing plus one other thing which you guys might not know about is one of the reasons why that whole Elvis is racist thing was kind of um, it kind of took off in the 80s a bit was there was a rumor going around that was spread by some uh, disgruntled African American reporter in the 50s who wanted to interview Elvis and he never got that interview it was found out later that he was that he never actually interviewed Elvis but he lied to people Instead, he did, and Elvis said this thing about how black people are only good to shine my shoes. So he was, and it was so it was kind of a discredited many years later that it was bullshit that he was just pissed off because he couldn't get an interview. But unfortunately, yeah. before the age of the internet and actually before fact checking, this kind of became a rumor. So I feel like that's probably what people like Chuck D they heard that shit, you know, and. And it was even I heard I've heard that in other things and other movies and stuff. So this rumor kind of spread, you know, it kind of got around circles. But it was bullshit. It wasn't true. And the truth is kind of coming out now. And like Elvis is getting his due. So I think that's you know great. Mm-hmm. Did you know about that, Ralph? Did you know about that rumor? Nope, I never heard that. Never heard of that. Yeah. So yeah. So I think yeah. You know, I mean Elvis got, got that. I mean, everything. I mean from. Opening up the doors to black music, to mixing all this stuff, we wouldn't have the Beatles without Elvis. Yep. You know, it was hard to break hotels, like what changed John Lennon's life. Yeah, I mean, he he was really honestly the first, like, rock star. He was the first larger-than-life, like, musician. He really defined what what a musician could achieve, like, fame-wise. I mean, he was like a he was like a larger than life, like he was like a superhero or something, man. You know, he was invincible. Um, you know, I I just much like you, Edwin. Elvis was uh, always like a thing uh, since I was growing up. So I was born in '93, 
So he was already established as, like, you know, this huge icon that just basically changed music. And I had my grandparents who just loved Elvis's music. You know, my grandma was around when he was still alive and, you know, kicking. And that's, my grandma came from Lithuania, like I said earlier in the episode. And that's how she learned English was his records. And she became a huge fan. Uh, she had an entire room in her house uh, dedicated to Elvis. She had all kinds of merchandise. And she had all the records, like, you know, all kinds of posters and whatnot. The, you know, the games and puzzles. Like, I remember going to her house sometimes uh, to be babysat, and she had this Elvis puzzle that I would always, that was like, if I was bored, you know, and this for cell phones and, you know, handheld video games and all this stuff, you know, I had this Elvis puzzle, and that was one of the things I always did at her house when I was, like, real bored, and there's nothing on TV. So, I mean, Elvis has been a big part of my life, you know, forever. And uh, I didn't really appreciate him too much at first. I liked a couple songs. I always had respect for him, but I wasn't a big fan. It wasn't until my grandma passed away around uh, it was, uh, 2009, uh, in December too, which is uh, kind of another reason I want to do this episode in December. But, you know, uh, it, it wasn't until after she died I really started uh, listening to more of his music and giving it more of a chance. And, uh... I feel like as I get older, I become more and more of a fan of his, and then especially with this new movie that came out, uh, I just become a really big fan. He's just so, so amazing. He's such a fascinating person to, like, learn about all the little things he's done in his life, all the, just all the notoriety, but then also the music at the same time is so good. He's just got one of the most beautiful voices ever. And so I guess the next thing is, uh, I'll ask Ralph since he's our guest. Uh, Ralph, what, what's your personal favorite era of Elvis? Because he really had kind of almost three eras. The, the early years, he had the comeback years, and like the Vegas years. I mean, which, which was your favorite era? Which one do you feel had the best songs and really represent Elvis like the best? I would say the Sun Sessions, the, the very early stuff is nice. the one I prefer. Um, because it's so raw and, you know, uh, it's so, I don't know, like groundbreaking, really. I mean, he was, I mean, Edwin, is it true that he he ini- he initially went to record just a song for his mom, right? Yeah, well, he recorded, there were like these little, like, play, like, I think they were like in drugstores. Like, you went and you, like, went in a booth and you recorded, like, a one song on a, yep. on a record. Yeah, and it was like a demo. I forget. Get the specifics, but yeah, he recorded like some ballot, some nice ballot for his mother. It got in the hands of some woman who got it, and then she slipped it to Sam Phillips, who was looking for some white singer that could sing like rootsier music. Wasn't thinking necessarily black music, just just rootsy music. In fact, uh, if you have like the chronological Sun Sessions rap, I don't know if you have them, where it kind of goes from like the first thing he recorded on. The first two things he recorded were ballads. They were country ballads. And so that was the first thing Sam Phillips had him try to do was like sing some rootsy kind of hillbilly country songs. And then they started just messing around him and the boys, Scotty and the boys. They started messing around with it's all right, mama. And he, you know, Sam Phillips heard that and was like, hey, that's kind of different. That sounds good. Let's let's try that. Recorded it. And then so it was a real spontaneous thing, actually. You know, it wasn't like a contrived thing. And then, you know, it that was like a big regional hit. The song itself was not like a national hit, but it was like, a, it later on became like one of his classic songs. But 
in uh, at the time it was just like it just took off around Tennessee and what, but it was enough to kind of you know get his career going you know and then of course RCA came around and you know that first RCA album is like half Sun stuff and then um, some stuff he did for RCA and that's what it was like Blue Suede Shoes you know was really the song uh, that kind of made him a national star and then we use on Ed Sullivan so that's kind of the chronology there but yeah I love the Sun stuff what Sun do you have like the Sun Sessions like how do you have them Ralph no uh, I will have them though I do have the first <laughs> album I have Sun Sessions on MP3 I have everything of Elvis on MP3 yeah um and you know you asked me to pick five favorite albums. we'll do that we'll do that at the no, end but, yeah but <laughs> I, I just want to say i'm not going to say that but, but um <laughs> my five favorite elvis songs spans his whole career it's not just stuck in the sun sessions uh, yeah. because yeah. he has so many great songs even even during those those hokey movie uh i have a song <laughs> from the hokey movie uh I would put it like maybe in my top three, one of these hokey movie songs um, that I just absolutely love. But yeah, I mean, I touch upon all eras of Elvis. And um, but uh, what was the question? That was, <laughs> oh, that it, was, was it. That was it, pretty it was much it. Like with your favorite era of Elvis and like why, like why it is your favorite. Yeah, I, yeah. Like it's my favorite because of the rawness and the innocence of it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it wasn't. You see, what Elvis did later in life, it's kind of like you know we all know he didn't write songs. He sang songs that people would write for him. But later on in his career, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. They would add, you know, what was you know the trumpets and all that shit. Uh, that bells was, and whistles. Yeah, kind of like what was popular with the hits back then with Tom Jones and. You know, and stuff like that. They would incorporate it, but when the Sun Sessions, it was, it was like, all right, yeah, they may have wrote the song, but it was pure Elvis with no bells and whistles. And I, and I like that, you know. But I liked all the bells and whistles stuff too, you know. But I'm just saying, if you're gonna ask me my favorite era, I have to go with the raw 100% Elvis, the raw, dangerous, yeah. and dirty Elvis. Yeah. And he's, you're right, he is putting more of himself even because he's playing rhythm guitar uh, yeah. on those acoustic rhythm guitars. They were a band, actually. They were, they were considering, like, when That's Alright Mama came, like, first was released, they were kind of bouncing between, do we put this out as the Blue Moon Boys? Because that's what they called themselves. Yeah. You know, uh, or Elvis Presley, obviously, because Elvis was so handsome and charismatic and had the voice they decided now fuck it let's focus on this elvis guy <laughs> but it was an interesting decision and yeah it's uh because they kind they were a band that's that's what you're like hearing like ralph like they're a they're a band they're you know the three guys they were a trio at first then they added when with rca they added dan Fontana as the drummer but at first it's just it's elvis Scotty Moore and Bill Black, and they were just this cool power trio, kind of. Kind of like, you know, they, they were like the Ramones of their day, like in the 50s, just doing some straight-up raw shit. And, you know, so it's not... You could kind of see why so many punk rockers in the 70s loved Elvis, like London Collins, like the first... The album cover looks like the RCA album cover. Because, I don't know, when I hear that stuff, too, it just sounds like... It sounds like kind of like proto-punk. Like, it just sounds very raw and and that first rca album's awesome you know i love that album do you, i mean when, when, when do you consider the period rap to kind of stop his early years is it like the second album well, it, was, it was i think when he went to the army that's when it all ended yeah. okay so you consider you consider even like king creo as kind of the first wave but then the army 
that's that's like the definitive like that, yeah, that, that period stops. That to me is what ended it because even yeah. you know your King Creole and all that stuff, it did have a little bit of of uh, bells and whistles, but you still heard that Elvis. Yeah, you know the, the the raw Sun Session Elvis was still predominant in the texture and the voice and the attitude of those songs. You still hear it, you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's still he's still kind of that dangerous Elvis. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. still that touch of it. Yeah, and it's not when he comes back in Elvis is back in the early '60s, which is I know you love that album. And I love it too. But he is kind of a slicker, different Elvis when he comes yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, it's a total different Elvis, but it's still you still got that miraculous voice. Oh yeah, I mean that's Elvis makes me. I'm not like as you know, I'm not a religious man, and I'm not a fan of gospel music. But I bought that Elvis Ultimate Gospel compilation, and I listen to it from time to time. Like because he, the way Elvis sings, like even gospel stuff, which isn't my thing, I like it when Elvis sings it. I mean, I think it's also because he loved gospel music. That's actually his favorite kind of music to sing was gospel music, and the guy really believed. Like that's the thing. Like I'm not, you know. I'm not, you know, I'm not a practicing Christian. I don't believe like you do, Eric. I, it's not, it's not who I am. But I feel like if you're gonna sing that music, you should fucking believe it. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's funny and, that was my uh, my grandpa, who uh, you know, he was the last grandparent I had that sadly passed away. But that was his favorite. Like uh, Elvis was his gospel albums. He loved the gospel Elvis albums more than anything else. It's, it's what Elvis loved the most to sing. And you can hear it. Like, he just, because, like, Elvis really believed in Jesus and he loved that stuff. He had passion <laughs> for it, yeah. He had a real passion for it and he, he sang it and it's just, it's powerful. It's like powerful. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not my normal kind of music, but every well, once in a while on a Sunday I can listen to it. Well, I, how do you feel about I, it? I, I will, I don't have it. I will get it. My goal in life is to own everything from Elvis Presley's first album to Moody Blue, which I have both those albums. Uh, you know, and I have, I have good times. I have, uh, you know, uh, from Elvis uh, to Memphis. You know, I have a few yeah. Elvis albums, but my goal is to have them all. To just buy them all. And it's not one of these things, well, let me listen to it if I like it. No, I want to have the full Elvis discography as far as his official stuff. I don't know about soundtrack stuff. You know, maybe that'll be one where I have to judge it by listening to it. But all the official releases, uh, I want to own them all. The gospel stuff, the Christmas stuff. And I know his Christmas album was his third album, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, actually, let's. I, I just like to talk a little bit about the Christmas album now, since Ralph just gave me a segue. <laughs> that, that, the Christmas album is amazing. It holds up. Love- I'm not a Christmas music fan for the most part. I'm telling you. It's great. It, and, yeah, there's compilations, so I feel it gets a little lost down the line because people hear it with later Elvis. I mean, even the later Elvis Christmas songs are good. But there's something about that album, listening to it in the original version, which was his third album, RCA. It's the Elvis that Ralph was talking about. It's that raw Elvis. You still hear the Blue Moon Boys and you know, like, uh, you know, of course, you know, Blue Christmas, like that has that sound. You hear it like Scotty. Uh, I love, love Blue yeah. Christmas and um, uh, what is this? Was it the first one, Santa Claus is Back yep. on the first track? Yep, that's actually yeah, my, yeah. that's my favorite song on the album. Yeah. Uh, those, those two songs. And Santa, Bring My Baby Back to Me is awesome. That's, Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, Santa Claus Back in Town. Man, that is 
I, all I can say, it's the most pimping Christmas song you ever <laughs> hear. It's just so pimp. And James Brown recorded three Christmas albums. And I like him, and I love James Brown, but let me tell you something. James Brown was as pimping as this. <laughs> it's the most pimping Christmas song ever. And it's funny because, and this is... This is the whole dichotomy about Elvis. Is what makes him such an interesting, you know, not just a singer, but also like what you guys were saying, like an interesting person. Is Santa Claus is back in town? Is sexual? Like it's a sexy kind of Christmas song. Like we need some Santa Claus is coming down your chimney. It the way Elvis sings it is this ain't kid shit. <laughs> you know, it's dirty. It's like a dirty Christmas song. But yet, Santa's eating your mom's cookie. <laughs> But yet the second half is all gospels and hymns, and it's so innocent and pure, and that's real, too. It's like both sides are really Elvis. It's like he was both the guy who was shaking his hips and, like, you know, and banging actresses and stuff. And, and yeah. It was a sexual man, and he was, like, very out there with the sexuality in a way that other male singers just weren't before him. That's the thing. Like, Sinatra and all those other guys, just they... They that was like for behind closed doors, you know. Men didn't act that way, you know. And that that is one thing that the the Baz's movie, the new Elvis movie, touched upon, which I thought was great. That scene where he first shakes his hip, like for the first time, and all the oh, girls that scene go, was awesome, and the girls yeah. just freak out. Yeah, that's the thing is, I love shit like that. Yeah, because like no one really, it was revolutionary. That's the thing too. Like uh, like men just didn't do shit like that. Not white men especially. Yeah, maybe some black singers did. But white singers did not, like, move like that on stage. That was stuff and, that is, it stayed in the bedroom. Yeah, and yeah, but, you know, you have to remember, too, in This Is Elvis, that movie, and which was later Elvis in the back of the limo. Yeah. They were like, what'd you do? Oh, it's not Elvis. I was buried in a beaver. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, at the same time, he sings these gospel songs, and... You believe him, and he loved his mother, and you know he was like like he had both sides. He was generally this like innocent guy, but also he pounded that beaver and wanted to go down your ch chimney. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, and yeah, I mean that's the interesting thing because like the first half of this album is all the rock and roll Christmas songs, and then the second half it's essentially they expand it. It was the There'll Be Peace in the Valley, which was an EP. Oh. It was his first gospel EP, which is amazing. Really good, and so essentially they tag that on, you know. Um, but it's great. I also love uh, Take My Hand, Precious Lord. It has this beautiful, warm organ. I always like church organ. I always like that sound. Mm. And but, but yeah, the first half of all the famous Christmas songs, Santa Claus is back in town. Another thing, let me tell you something. Bing Crosby, fuck that guy. I don't like him. He sucks. I always thought he had a weak voice. And I never liked him. You know, if I'm going to listen to a crooner, I'll listen to Sinatra. You know, he had an edge. He had a Hoboken edge. Fucking Bing Crosby would beat his kid. Yeah, that's the thing. He, yeah. was a fucking, he sang white bread music that was fucking fluffy and then beat his kids. He was an asshole. I don't like him. Elvis sings White Christmas. And there's so much feeling, so much more emotion. You know, and it's just like, come on, like you could, how, who couldn't even listen to fucking Bing Crosby sing that song after Elvis sings it? I feel that way almost about every song that Elvis covers. There's a but, few but, exceptions. But the fact of the matter is, how can you like, possibly like a guy called Bing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only and, Crosby's I like is Robin Crosby from Rat and fucking Sidney Crosby from the Pittsburgh Penguins. God damn, <laughs> fuck Bing Crosby. 
Yeah, fuck that guy. And Elvis, you know, you couldn't have a cooler name than Elvis. It's like, it's like he's Elvis or something. Yeah, he's the Elvis. There is. I I am not a hater of Elvis Costello, but he doesn't deserve that name. Only he doesn't have that name. Nobody out there should name their kid Elvis. There should only be one Elvis. Yeah, that name should. It should be like when uh, sports players, like you know, like end their career and like uh, they get their jersey retired. His name should be retired. Like no one should be allowed to name their kids Elvis anymore. or if you want to name your kid Elvis, do what everybody else does when they they name their kid Jesus. They call him Jesus, so call Elvis like Elvis. Yeah, Elvis. exactly. Elvis. Yeah, I like Elvis. Yeah, separate so there's no yeah. confusion. Yeah, yeah. It's like like Elvis Costello. It's kind of like Hitler mustaches. You know, oh like yeah. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking of that the other day because I saw. Uh, Laurel and Hardy, and I was like, oh man, this was before it was uh, cool to have a Hitler mustache. <laughs> yeah, that's why uh, Charlie Chaplin did that, The Great Dictator, because yeah. yeah. in real time, he was like, fuck, this Hitler guy's ruining my, my trademark look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, it was done. It was done after Hitler, you can have that mustache. You can't have that name, too. You can't be called Adolf. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> Well, Edwin, uh, wait, wait a minute, wait. I, I, couldn't hear you for a, I couldn't hear you over a sec for a second over the sound of Bing Crosby beating the shit out of his kids. Um, Let but me tell you something, Elvis never like you know he might have shook Priscilla a few times or whatever. Like but, discipline, like yeah, normal discipline. But but he didn't fucking beat his kid. Yeah, you know, with a belt like Bing Crosby, belt Crosby. That's what he was. Yeah, that's what his kids called him. <laughs> <laughs> But, but Edwin, so obviously yeah. you love uh, Santa Claus, Elvis, and you love uh, <laughs> you love uh, you know gospel, you know Jesus man, Elvis. Yeah. But what is your favorite era of Elvis? I know this answer, but why don't you tell the people that did not watch your video on YouTube? Yeah, uh, my my favorite. Although I do really love the era Ralph was talking about. And that's oh, wait, wait, wait. Then your answer is going to be wrong. <laughs> oh. I, it, it is probably wrong. It's a, it's a subjective <laughs> answer. It's not an objective answer. Obviously, the music he did in the 50s is the most important music he ever made. You know, it changed, it changed music forever. But this is just personal. Personally, there's something about the comeback era from, I would say, 68 to 70. There's just well, something. Something about that period that just touches me the most. Well, can I say, I want to say something about that. Yeah. That is Elvis at his most pimpish. Oh, oh my yeah. God, yes. I, I he, think physically he, peak Elvis is is sixty is the 68 comeback special. Look yeah, at that fucking El, Elvis in the early days was just an, a game changer, so pure. But the, but Elvis to me in, is kind of like... You know, uh, Revolver Beatles, uh, you know, I love yeah. Please Please Me, I love with the Beatles, but you know, when they changed, it became so iconic and, and pimpish. You know, listen yeah. to Drive My Car. Drive My Car, they should make a video of Drive My Car where it's only footage of the Fonz. You know, <laughs> it's like the coolest song ever, you know, with that bass line and the way they sing it. Where Elvis, especially, I, do you own the comeback special? I got that box. Yeah. With yes. All the, you know, the behind the scenes. I, I have, I have the DVD. Di- there's different tiers. I have the deluxe, uh, it's like a two disc version. Let me I have a, 
Yeah, I have the two disc version, which has it has like the original album plus a lot of extras and outtakes. I, it has everything that was on the actual special, and I I don't have it actually on DVD. Although I've watched it many many times, I love the comebacks. Bought it for my grandma for Christmas one year. I should own it. I feel bad I own it, but I they have. have I have here the 50th anniversary deluxe five CD two Blu-ray set. Um, oh, and you got Blu-ray. It has two Blu-rays. Oh, I need to upgrade. And, uh, yeah, because it's not only the, the special, but all the behind-the-scenes stuff and outtakes. And, uh, oh, wow. I should and, get that. I really yes. should have that. Yeah, and then I, I bought the vinyl, too, the vinyl edition of it, because this, this just brings, it's books, but full of CDs and DVDs inside. And 50th anniversary, which means this came out in 19, maybe? Sixty yeah. was the uh, yeah, so it had to be like uh, 2019. Yeah, I yeah. bought this, and uh, oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as like you know, you don't have really a lot of performances of Elvis in the early days. This is the greatest performance right here. I agree. Oh yeah, totally. When and spe- I mean, I there's a lot. The only part of the, the the comeback special, which I still think is good, that's my least favorite, is like where he does like the musical kind of stuff in the middle, but. Man, when he's either singing on stage on his own, like when he comes on in the beginning and does that medley of Trouble and Guitar Man, fuck! It's like one of the most awesome opening ever. It's so pimping, you know, yeah. looking for trouble, and he says he looks so badass. Yeah. And then, and then there's that uh, amazing, my favorite part is where he brings the old band back, Scotty and the guys, and they yes. do the the thing around the circle and they they do the songs man and they even do blue christmas uh it's amazing uh, i mean that's one of the greatest live performance also really kind of started the whole the mtv unplugged thing i think all comes from that like if you look at it like the way they're joking kind of between songs and there's telling just a, stories yeah telling stories i feel like that kind of created that aesthetic and then of course you know at the end, you know, when he comes on and sings If I Can Dream. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. That gives me chills, man. And I, that's why my I feel like that's like the most important Elvis is 50s Elvis, but peak Elvis, I think, is that period, 68 to 69, because you had the best of both worlds. He was, he was reclaiming the rawness from the past. He was reclaiming it after doing all the movies and getting kind of soft, but yet had this like machismo from being like older now now he was in his 30s and he just had like he had his like he had the weight of a man that had been through some shit you know in a way it's kind of like when you listen to like the beatles like kind of returning to rock and roll in the white album like it's not like the way the rock and roll sounded please please me you know like it's just got more weight to it Mm-hmm. Like and I just feel like Elvis has a lot of weight in that period, and that's a, the From Memphis album is my favorite Elvis album, and that Same. in that period, it just to me it's like perfect because it has it all. It's like his singing's so great, and it, he's bringing back the rawness, but yet there is some polished stuff. It's eclectic. He does different kinds of music, and he's just nailing it. And, and there were so many amazing singles from that period too. You know, In the Ghetto, Suspicious Minds, Kentucky Rain. Uh, I mean, he was just, he was all, you could tell, he was like, I'm back again. It's the greatest comeback ever, you know? He had something and, to prove. And, yeah, man, and, I love him in that all-leather fucking outfit, man. Yeah. 
It's man, I watched that special and rock than that. That's more. How could you be more rock and roll than Elvis standing there in that yeah. fucking black leather outfit? Dude, I fucking watched that shit and like I think to myself, wow, no wonder Clarence Worley from True Romance wanted to fuck this guy if he had to fuck one dude. Because goddamn, man, he just looks so badass and so cool. Yeah, listen, I'll say this as a totally 100% straight man, Elvis Presley. I is I can't think of a more handsome. Stunning oh my man. god, yeah. Then Elvis standing in black leather during the comeback uh, special. Uh, what do you think? Do you, you think there's someone better looking than Elvis? Yeah. Let's uh, not, in, Ralph. Not <laughs> better looking, but equally as handsome as Rollo from uh, Sanford and Sons. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, I also gotta tell you on this, I'm looking through this box set, he also, uh, Santa Claus is back in town on the sit down on CD3, which may be, uh, an outtake. Yeah, that was an outtake. So I don't have get that. the obligatory two Christmas songs in there that he was supposed to because that was supposed to be a Christmas special, and that was another reason why yeah. I wanted to do this episode as a Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be a Christmas special. Him and the director kind of buddied up uh, like they showed in the movie, which is more or less what happened from what I read and did the research. But, yeah, and thank God, thank God, you know, Elvis knew. Cause he that saved him, man. Elvis knew, he knew, like, if he came out there in 1968, this is fucking 68, where shit's going down, and there's Hendrix, and the Beatles and doing the was, white of If he did he a Christmas... A at the time. Yeah, if Elvis had done a Christmas special, he'd be fucking dead. He'd be he like Kiss. Yeah, it, yeah. Oh, my God. It, it, yeah, like Kiss in, like, 1980. Like, that's what he would have been like. It, he would have been fucking dead. It would have been like his unmasked, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he would have been dead. Elvis knew. He was like clinging. It's like self-preservation kicks in at a certain point. And he's like, I can't listen to the colonel. You know, I'm going to be fucking dead if I do. You know, the guy made my career, but he's steering me wrong now. So he, and this is a very like thing you got to do sometimes in Hollywood. I got to tell you, you got to get your like champions. And he got that director that was shooting the show who was younger and a little hipper. And he got him as a champion and they kind of subverted the colonel and like end the network, which won a Christmas show. And and look what fucking happened because that's what happens when people fight back and subvert the fucking corporate machine and money making bastards, you know? Yeah. And it's very sad what happened eventually. But yeah. but for a couple of years there, Elvis was winning again. He was winning. He was like winning over the Colonel. And yeah, but even the the one Christmas song that made the cut when they originally aired it, Blue that's Christmas, the best one. And it was very rock and roll when they played. Yeah. It. And it was great. And but the whole thing's although I love uh, when they do Laudie, Miss Claudia, and they go into Baby, What You Want Me to Do. Oh, I fucking love when they and do he's that. He's stomping on the ground. Yeah, that is bad. That's my favorite part is when he does that. That's one of my favorite parts because it's just it's so phenomenal. There's so many different songs, but that one really stands out to me. And Edwin, I'm I'm with you, man. I think the comeback era is my favorite. Although I do have a soft spot, and sometimes I kind of, I, I, it's kind of like on a tight edge between that and the the Sun Records era, like uh, Ralph likes the best. Because um, I do have like a soft spot. I love like old school like 1950s America. Like I have an obsession with it. Uh, like one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Mischief, which I don't know if you ever seen that movie. It's kind of like a teen comedy, but yeah, place- uh, uh, Kelly Preston. Who yeah, I. Dude, I love that movie, and I just love that whole late 1950s America aesthetic. I, I just love it. And that movie had a lot, of that, a lot of those Elvis songs in it, and it's just... So I love that era, but 
you know, all in all, the the comeback era was just it, that was him as peak. It was like the right balance of both the the Vegas era and his like more raw rock and roll kind of era. And it was him like trying to, it, it was him kind of with a with a fire lit under his ass. So he was really like, there's like a, a fire in him. Yeah, there's also and I I I coveted. I covet this record that Ralph has, uh, and Ralph knows the record I'm talking about. <laughs> that from Memphis to uh, Vegas, from Vegas to Memphis, the international, you know, hotel uh, performance from '69. He has it on vinyl. I wish I had it on vinyl. And that's, I think, his greatest live album. And unfortunately, I mean, even though that's the uh, way it is, it's great. It's awesome. That was like one year later. That was like one year later. That was 70. And the International Hotel 69. It's better. The International. But there's only stills. They didn't actually film it. So you can't actually see it. Uh, you can see pictures of it. But there's no clips from it. And it's like too bad. Because that was, in my opinion, the greatest Elvis performance ever. It's, at least they recorded it. And it's an amazing album. But to me, it's like had, even though as great as the uh, That's the Way It Is album and movie is he's it's a little more vegasy like he's kind of getting used to the vegas thing it's not like full on like mid 70s like kind of vegas elvis but it's getting there a little bit whereas the international hotels like uh it's a little more rock and roll you know you, you what do you think about that album ralph and what do you think is his best live album oh it's phenomenal and <laughs> and i don't know if you know this but it, uh that album is a double album yeah, it has a stu- it has like a studio uh, album as well. No, it's uh, it's uh, from Elvis in Memphis and uh, International Hotel. It's a double album. Yeah, they has yeah it has the like the from Memphis stuff is like songs that didn't. Make oh yeah, it yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I get confused because that album cover, you know, from the comeback special, makes it look like a live album. Yeah, it's it's a little confusing <laughs> with how they titled them too. But yeah, it's it, it's actually yeah, it's, it, they call it's like back in Memphis is the it's pretty much all the songs that weren't used from from Memphis, so it's a little confusing. But it's it's kind of like you know, kit, like Kiss Alive too. You know, it's like they wanted to yeah. You know, so so the studio stuff and live stuff, and it's all great. But that live album, ooh, oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's a, it, it's amazing, and it's like it's very it's a little you know what I mean. It's a little more rock and roll. Then that's the way it is, which is a little more Vegasy. Uh, mm-hmm. But but they're both, both great, obviously. I like that album too, uh, especially when he does that cover on, of um, the Righteous Brothers song. You lost that. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. God damn. And I mean, I love the original version. It's a beautiful song. Oh yeah. Elvis fucking takes it to another level. I mean, got that man. voice, man. And it's then like, the Rush was two guys singing, and then Elvis yeah. sings like just him, like maybe well, got a background singers. But god damn! But it's like what I said, even when I said Ian Gillen that needed they needed two guys to replace him, like, it's like yeah. Bobby Gustafson leaving Overkill, and they needed two yeah. guitars to replace him. Exactly, they needed <laughs> two guitars. Well, yeah, Elvis he could. It's the reverse. He could do the job of two guys in one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. So, so I wanted to ask you guys, um, obviously Elvis is known for his music. Uh, I'll ask you first, Ralph. I mean, are you familiar with his movies when he tried being an actor? And, like, I mean, how do you feel about the movies he made? And is there, like, one that you really like a lot? Or, I mean, how do you feel about him as an actor? Uh, I thought he was passable. He wasn't bad at all. Um, some of them are goofy. I own every one. They see... 
Holy I, shit. Oh, wow. I went crazy with albums. <laughs> when I used to work for the city, I went on one day on Amazon and eBay and just bought every single one. And I want to talk about one specific movie that is... Oh, go for it. Fucking mind-blowing. Right. <laughs> it's the very last movie he did with Mary Tyler Moore. It's called uh, Change of Habit. I never saw that one. Me either. either. Yeah, tell us about it. I'm about to blow your fucking mind with <laughs> this movie, all right? It's rated G. Okay? <laughs> all right. I'm going to talk about two scenes in this rated G movie. <laughs> one, where they're trying to move, these, these like hoodlum type of people are trying to move this uh, couch, and this nun try to stop him, and the guy says, and I quote, in a G-rated movie, I ain't no fag. <laughs> That's not the worst thing said in the movie. At the very, I, I can't even repeat it, but you'll know what I mean. At the very end of the movie, there's this little girl who's about oh, like shit. four years old or something. They come up to her and goes, why won't you go there? And she said, because I don't like N people. Really? Oh, and it's rated G. Check yeah. out the movie. Yep. That's like the, some of the Hammer Dracula movies were rated G. Yeah, but she said the N-word. I don't, damn, I, yeah, they didn't say that well, N-word in the Dracula Hammer movies. Mark Twain said it, but that was like in the 19th century. <laughs> <laughs> this is Elvis' like last movie this as is an late, actor. This so is like shit. late 60s. Yeah, this is his very last movie. Yeah, it was inappropriate even then. <laughs> That's how yeah. fucked up and it was rated G. I, I, I imagine she didn't say it with the A, and that she was a white girl. So even then, she couldn't. She doesn't have oh, the oh, like right oh, to say no. it. You heard that R loud. Oh, <laughs> fuck. oh my god! I just did not know about how. Oh, good thing you know what. The only reason why this was probably permitted and why Elvis has not been canceled is because no one's seen this movie but you, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I still haven't sat through all of them, but I gotta tell you, the one I really like the most is King Creo. Yeah, I totally agree. I have a poster of that in uh, one of my bathrooms. Uh, every time I piss, I look at this poster. It's amazing. <laughs> it, it's a great my, way to take a piss. It's my. It's it's a pimpin' piss. It's my all-time favorite Elvis movie, easily. King Creo, and he's good in it. You know, he's got that edge. You know, and it's got a better story, I think, than uh, Jailhouse Rock. And and you got Walter Matthau's good. You got yeah. the chick that plays uh, uh, the, from the Adams family. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, and he sings Trouble. That scene when he gets up on stage, you know, where he's like trying out for the club and he yeah. sings Trouble. Woo! Sexy yeah. motherfucker. And also when he sings Crawfish. I love that song, Crawfish. Oh, yeah. I love that, that song. Oh, my God. That's some fucking hot shit. That's all I'm saying. Like, hey, I'm straight, but that's some fucking sexy shit. You know? Yeah. You can't acknowledge that that's not some sexy shit. Then you don't got enough sex in your life, my friend. <laughs> I guess, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with uh, both of you guys, man. That King Creole is probably my favorite Elvis movie, and I, I like him as an actor. I love a lot of it. There's a lot of them, and a lot of them are kind of cheesy, but the majority of his movies I really love because I again I love like old school like late 1950s. Yeah. And they have that style to them. They're, a lot of them are simple stories, boy meets girl, this and that, and Elvis sings a couple songs. They're very simple. They're nothing extraordinary, but they're just fun little, like, feel-good movies. But King Creole is definitely, like, my favorite. Uh, but a close second would be, uh, I, I really like Viva Las Vegas. I like that one, and it, it helps that uh, Anne uh, Margaret's in it, and she looks pretty fucking hot in Woo! that movie. 
Yeah, talk about sexy there. And they oh. and they were fucking turned. They were. And, but is that when he was dating Priscilla, too? He was married to Priscilla. He was married to her. Okay, <laughs> they, dude, that, I mean, Anne Margaret is pretty hot, but uh, Priscilla, though. To, yeah. Dude, I got. Let's talk about Priscilla real quick, because I got to say. Let me get to say one thing. He's a fucking king of rock and roll. Fucking A, man. Elvis is the king of rock and roll. He has a right to be married to Priscilla, who looks so fine, and to be dude. fucking Aunt Margaret. Who looks so fine? Because he's the king of rock and roll. He's not he a normal human. He's not some fucking nerdy accountant guy. He's fucking Elvis. Of yeah, course. he's one sexy motherfucker. Should have a beautiful <laughs> wife and still have a beautiful mistress. God yes. Sake. Listen to that guy. That's not a normal human being. You, know, you think yeah, like the right. fucking gods, like the Olympian gods, like fucking Zeus and stuff, they're like, oh, I should just be with this one woman? No, they were fucking gods. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like Steel Panther said, man, God's a pussy. Well, he wasn't God a pussy, man. He was swimming in that shit. Look at that guy. Yeah, so you know what? You gotta begrudge him. Can't tell, telling a God not to fuck beautiful women is like telling a fucking shark not to eat some douchebag surfer. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's oh how I Oh my God. Edwin, I, and Edwin Ralph, I gotta say, man, in my opinion, now, now I, I, I like me some Asian women, but as far as like white women go, Priscilla <laughs> Presley, is like the the perfect example of how beautiful a white woman can be. <laughs> oh my! Like and even nowadays, even like she had like some of that plastic surgery and stuff. I would still make love to that woman. She's like what seventy something. I would still make love to Priscilla Presley just because she's Priscilla fucking Presley. God damn it! Yeah, she was she was pretty fine. Uh, I guess like as a kid growing up, you know, the, I had a crush on her because of the Naked Gun movies. You know, and she was like middle age in those movies, and mm-hmm. she was fucking hot. I you always, I, I mean, I say middle her. age. She was like my age. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but but she was hot. You know, he was a little kid. I was like, oh, that middle aged lady's really hot. Yeah. <laughs> the first one, she was really sexy in that one. Uh, nice Beaver. <laughs> and, but yeah, you see those pictures of her, especially in like the late sixties. You know, my favorite—I think we can all agree on this. That I think the, picture. the greatest picture of Elvis is that picture of him, totally looking like a fucking pimp. He's at, yeah, even pimp cane. even has a pimp cane, and oh, yeah, sitting in a chair. He's on oh. a throne. It's like a throne. Yeah, and Priscilla's sitting by his side, looking fucking fine. And she's like singing like that style, like you know, like kind of like uh, you know, like the chick on the Conan the Barbarian, like uh, VHS cover. Like she's like almost like straddling his leg, kind of. It's <laughs> yeah. like yeah, yeah. It's like or like the women on the fucking National Lampoon's Vacation poster. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's the fucking king of rock and roll. That's there, the man. fucking king. I think that's the greatest Elvis picture ever. What do you think, Ralph? What, what do you think of Priscilla? <laughs> yeah, what do you think of Priscilla? And would you, would you make love to that woman even nowadays? Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, she's she's gorgeous. And uh, something about Elvis and chicks. Like, uh, oh, Anne Margaret and... Uh, yes. Natalie you know, Wood, too. Na- Na- Natalie Wood. Yeah, yeah, Natalie yeah, Wood. Natalie Wood ain't around now to say... I mean, these chicks are so protective of Elvis. Yes. Like, yeah, uh, Anne Margaret, Ann Margaret refuses, refuses to say anything about Elvis except... He was a great gentleman. He didn't deserve all the crap he got. You know, when he became Fat Elvis, which I'd like to talk about Fat Elvis for a second. Yeah, go for it. Fat Elvis was awesome. I love Fat Elvis. That he, fucking he still, guy still sang like a pimp. He still had the pipes. 
Yeah. Uh, I had those fucking uh, dude. I mean, if you if you don't cry at the end of that last Elvis, uh, I cried like a bitch, man. Yeah. When we'll, they we'll have to talk about that movie field. too. We're, we're gonna talk about that movie too because I, I cried like a little bitch at the end of that movie. Well, was, yeah, because oh. they show that clip. That clip. I think that clip was also shown in that documentary too, wasn't it? Also in This Is Elvis. I recall seeing that before, anyway. But yeah, when he's up there, yeah, he looks horrible. He's fat, but man, the boy still sang beautifully, singing, singing a Righteous Brothers song again, Unchained uh, okay. Melody. Yeah, and man, god damn, it's so amazing. Yeah, it's like no one has a fucking voice like that. And that was his last performance. Yep. Yeah, amazing. You know, even sweaty and fat and sitting down, you could that, barely like talk even too, but, and you could barely breathe or move but man he's his voice was still there man every note every note that's the thing every note elvis sings has so much emotion and feeling you know it's it's impossible like i I feel like you'd have to have no soul to watch that and not feel something yeah just say just say no disrespect to the late ian wadley but i don't know i'm suspicious i feel like if he saw that he would feel something but he wouldn't admit it that's all (laughs) sadly we'll never know i mean who knows if he did watch it on youtube or something but i mean uh, if sally you know ian we can't ask ian that anymore man he's no longer with us we're we're losing so many people man we lost elvis (laughs) a grandma now ian like some bitch man christy alley Christy Alley. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm take a couple drinks for for all of them. Let's drink I'm, to all of them. I I'm so shocked. I did not see Ian's death coming. No, too young, too young. He was even yeah, younger than that. I thought his liver was gonna survive, man. I thought that liver was gonna hold up, but you know. he was even younger than that Foo Fighters guy. I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, I was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Hey, he lived. He lived, you know, I think he lived, uh, you know, in his 40-something years more than most people live in, like, you know, 60 or 70 years. Maybe. Yeah, but he <laughs> Elvis, so he was flying. Yeah, well, maybe that's it. Maybe he finally was watching Elvis, and that's what really did it for him, you know? Yeah. You know, it's another good Elvis movie, Flaming Star. You ever seen that one? I did see that one. That I one's should, Because I like that song. Uh, yeah. The the black black star, which apparently was like, uh, you know, you know about David Bowie's Elvis uh, obsession, Ralph. Do you know about that? No, I no. Don't. Yeah, so he has he shared the same birthday as Elvis, so he was like a lot of singers, obviously a lot of cool singers, not just the Beatles. Um, Jim Morrison, his favorite singer was Elvis. Morrissey's favorite singer is Elvis. Like, and you can hear some of these, like the influence, obviously, in the voice. Uh, Glenn Danzig obviously loved Elvis. Yes, but uh, Blackie Lawless. He yeah. owns one of Elvis's beds, apparently. David Bowie was also a huge Elvis fan, and he had this thing with Elvis because they were both born. They had the same birthday, and and you could kind of hear too because like David Bowie's kind of going through like Elvis periods like he's kind of mirroring like the different sides like he has a soul period horns or more rock and roll rockabilly like he's in his own David Bowie way he's like trying to be like an outer space version of Elvis like you kind of you know playing with an acoustic guitar up there you know and pompadour you know you kind of see it like what he's doing in a way but but then he also did movies too he did movies like Elvis did movies so he was very aware of Elvis and when he died, that his last album was called Black Star. That's inspired because Flaming Star was originally going to be called Black Star. Interesting. Yeah, that was the working title of the song uh, in the movie. And if actually you listen to the lyrics of Flaming Star, Elvis actually singing Black Star in the lyrics. Yeah. It, 
Yeah, it's they changed the last minute. They decided that for whatever reason, maybe because they're racist. The, <laughs> I don't know, but they decided to call it Flaming Star, um, not realizing that they just made it sound gay. But they called it Flaming Star. And, and I'm talking about the context of the '60s officially. By the way, <laughs> that, that flaming would have meant gay in the '60s, not anymore. I'm saying then. Anyway. Just, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't heard the word flame. I hadn't heard the term flame, flamer used in a cool. long time. Personally, if I was gay, I would like people calling me a flamer. That sounds yeah, bad. That makes it sound like I'm a shooting star or something, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, Rob Halford fucking, yeah. burn, you know, burning up kind of shit. It's hot. It's hot. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so Elvis, so David Bowie, this is how deep he was diving. Like, he knew that album was going to be his last album. Like, he knew he was dying. Like, he did that song Lazarus and stuff. And so he knew that this was going to be his last album. So he, it's interesting, like, in his mind, he decided to call it Black Star because he wanted to do a little homage, a little subtle homage to Elvis. And so he felt it was very connected. He always felt some kind of a personal connection to Elvis. So yeah, I always thought that was interesting. And and he, on his website, like when he died, there was a couple months where he had people. He kept his website going with little clues to things, and it, it's very interesting. But yeah, I mean, he was a great performer too. But another great who someone else I noticed Ralph was getting into in uh, recent, uh, like the past year or two. Someone, oh, yeah. yeah, that you weren't so into before, but you kind of like now. Did you get into Station to Station yet? You into Station to Station? Period? Yeah, yeah, I have it, and uh, but man, still my favorite is. Because my friend Chris played it at his house. I was hanging at his house. The Man Who Sold the World. That album is just... Oh, amazing. So, Great album. So good. That's like his... It's like doom metal, some of the songs. Yeah, it, it's pretty heavy, you know? It's, yeah. it's, it's just awesome stuff. And yeah, and I love, of course, Ziggy Stardust. And, you know, uh, yeah, I'm slowly getting into Bowie as well. Uh, All the 70s stuff is pretty good. It's pretty consistent throughout, I think, the 70s. I, I, like, I agree with the 70s. I like that weird-ass uh, Scary Monsters album. I like oh, that. oh, that's great. That's his best, definitely his best 80s album. Uh, yeah, I like Scary Monsters a lot. Then after Scary Monsters, it's a little, like, hit and miss. But yeah. but I do think, yeah, pretty much from, uh, I would say, uh, kind of from Space Oddity to Scary Monsters, it's, it's pretty much all good, you know. Okay. For the most part, but yeah, uh, but yeah, Elvis. So what were you we talking about before we? we oh, we were talking about the movies. So Flaming Star. That's a, actually I should see that movie. I know about it, but I never watched. It's a western, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a dramatic movie, but it, I think it's pretty well done. You know, for an Elvis movie, I haven't. I, I dude, I, it's like I don't have time, but yeah, you know, I, I like watching Elvis movies on a Sunday afternoon, and you know, my Sundays are kind of like really hectic lately but yeah I, I like to sit down and watch these Elvis movies because I bought them all uh, you know I've seen like it happens at the country at the World's Fair with Kurt think, Russell yeah when little Kurt Russell uh, kicks his shin um, yeah Jailhouse Rock I saw I saw uh, G.I. Blues ooh love that one yeah isn't there one where he's with uh, Charles Bronson which one's that oh no I haven't seen that one yet yeah, there's one where, and I'm a big really? Charles Bronson fan, but yeah, I haven't, I forget the name of it. I feel that I should know because Bronson's <laughs> my, actually my favorite actor. But, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, they did a one film together. I think Kurt Russell was in that one too. Actually, <laughs> I think it's kidding. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I want to check that out. Uh, well, you know who's in Flame and Star? Barbara Eden. Grr. Oh, oh my God! Sexy lady. Sexy. 
Yeah, I would say my second favorite is uh, Eric's as well, though. I do like leaving Las Vegas. It's corny, but it's fun. It's an entertaining movie, and it's oh, very, I love the corniness about it. Yeah, and it's, it's just like a and, fun little movie. And to Anne Margaret's credit, she's like the only because obviously Elvis has been in movies with a lot of pretty women, obviously beautiful women. But Anne Margaret's the only one that kind of is on Elvis's level, like as an entertainer. Like she's really like she's yeah. really doing it. She's singing and dancing, and you know. I agree. Like she's like holding up, like she's like up there on that level, and that's like it's impressive. Just saying, like you know, she matches Elvis. She's very entertaining in that movie. What do you think of leaving leaving Las? Uh, not I say leaving Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas. All the, I thought I, you were saying that, but like you just said with like a weird accent or something. I, I like leaving Las Vegas too. The Nicolas Cage drunk movie. That's a good movie too. But I'm saying Viva, Viva Las Vegas. Viva. What's yeah, it, it's, it's a fun flick, man. I, I really liked it, uh, especially the dancing scene with uh, him and Aunt Margaret. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, it's a, it, that's a fun movie. And I'm trying to think. There was another one he did, like, oh, Stay Away Joe. You ever seen that one? No, I have not. That, seen that, that one. Was, that was good. <laughs> that was actually a good one, too. Um, kind of westernish too, a Western uh, movie. And uh, Burgess Meredith is in it. And, uh, that was, I, I enjoyed that one. These, these are, I, I've seen several other ones that kind of like, Kissing, Kissing Cousins, another one I saw, Girls, 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 Kid Callahan, Gallahan I've seen. But, uh, man, did I got, you, Did you see, I saw one, I watched one on Amazon Prime a couple months ago, which was kind of campy and entertaining. Easy Come, Easy Go, it was from 67, it was a, like a scuba diving treasure hunt movie. Uh, no. No, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah, and there's a scene where like um like there's some sh- like he goes into like he goes to like a yoga class like and, and there's like you know, oh what, what's going on in this yoga class <laughs> really fun there's some funny stuff and then there's an obvious stunt devil guy who's like doing scuba diving because I don't know, obviously Elvis in scuba diving could you even picture Elvis scuba diving there's just something silly about that I don't know why isn't that the one with uh. The guy, um, Schneider from One Day at a Time, wasn't he in that movie? He might be in it, and I didn't really recognize him. Uh, yeah. Maybe young and without the mustache, but uh, it's possible. It's yeah, possible. Pat, Pat Harrington, he was in that. I, I just looked it up now. Yeah, I have seen this movie. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and I like, uh, I like Blue Hawaii. I like, I think that's a good one too. It's good soundtrack. That's actually Let probably. Me that's another yeah. good one. I never actually saw that. Oh, I know. That was like his first one, but that one's really good. That was a grower, though. Made his mama cry when she saw him die in the movie. I know that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I like I like Blue Hawaii. Is probably my favorite soundtrack. I'm thinking that's a good sound- one. Yeah, I like the soundtrack. It's obviously you gotta be in a certain kind of mood to hear like Polynesian kind of music. But yes. if you're, but it's like cool. It's like a cool cocktail tiki bar lounge kind of party. Good summertime album. album. Yeah, it like it ha- it's a nice vibe. Like not all Elvis soundtrack albums you can kind of listen to all the way through, um, but that's one I think Blue Hawaii you can kind of listen to all the way through, and it has a good vibe to it. Do, do what you, if you had to pick favorite soundtrack album? I guess King Creo. I, I mean, yes. I'm not kind of King Creo. <laughs> King Creo would be my favorite, but the next would probably be Blue Hawaii. Do you, do you have like a second favorite rap? I like GI Blues a lot. That uh, you know, I, I have to listen to that one again. What's like the big song for that one? Uh, well, I don't want to give it away. It's one of my favorites. One of my <laughs> oh, okay. So we'll hold off on that. We'll hold off on that. So and- I, I figured I'd ask next because obviously you know I, I want to talk about the the newest movie that came out. 
it's still pretty recent. But I also want to talk about the uh, the John Carpenter one, which is you know the you know probably the other most well known Elvis movie. But before that, I, I want to ask you guys. I mean, have either of you ever been to Graceland? Because I I haven't, but it's definitely on my it's on my bucket list. No, oh. like, my parents were. Oh, nice. My grand my grandma went like would go like every year. Yeah, so you I got. I can tell you a song uh, that's not, a, but I love the song that's on G.I. Blue's Wooden Heart. Oh, yeah, I know that. Ooh, song. good one. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a nice song. I like that. Uh, I have been to Graceland. You both oh, lucky. Know. Yeah, I've been to Graceland. It's, it's, interesting thing is, it's smaller than you would think. I, like, I can imagine, because. Yeah, because. It's like what a person, a Tennessee boy, thought was a big house in the 50s, you know? Yeah. In the 50s, it was a big house. But nowadays, you go there, and you're kind of like, it's a little smaller than you're thinking, you know, and the ceilings are a little lower. Yeah. Uh, it, but they do have it, like, all preserved. You go in there, and it's like, uh, it's all decorated, like the way Elvis apparently had it decorated. I and love he, the way it looks inside there. Oh, too. I love, uh, you know, that. you know me, I'm like, I really, I'm into, like, 70s stuff. Like, I like the... Yes. If I, so it's very shagadel, you know. Love, love. I love wood panel walls too. Yeah, I'm like I you love, with that. <laughs> yeah, I love wood panel walls. I love all that. I, it's like my formative years because I grew up like watching like late seventies like movies and stuff. Yeah, so, you for know. Me I, it was, I, for, I, I, my, my ideal like living space is like Chevy Chase's houseboat and foul play. Oh, <laughs> like, nice, nice. <laughs> that's like that, that'd be my dream place to live. <laughs> for me, it was my my grandma's. My uh, grandma's house, the one who loved Elvis, uh, her house, she was one of the, she, her, you know, her side of the family, they had that house forever, whereas my mom's side of the family, her grandparents moved a lot, my my grandparents on my mom's side, they moved a lot, so their house was like kind of newer, it was kind of more modernish. whereas my grandma's house, she had it since, you know, my dad and his uh, brother and sister were little kids, so it had that aesthetic to it, and they had wood panel walls in the basement, and the basement was where I always hung out when I went to my grandma's. So I, it's kind of like a nostalgia thing for me. I love wood panel walls, and she also had like a lot of the old school kind of look to the house. So it was just, it was really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some nostalgia, but I also just find it kind of pleasing. It's like when you listen to like older records or stuff, like analog versus di- digital. Like yes. there's a war- warmth to the recording, but I think like to our eyes, like we see these warmer colors and. Like a wood, like wood, I think is kind of pleasing to people to look at because it's like nature. I, I, I think there's something kind of more primal about it, maybe. But uh, so it's it's very warm. It's smaller. It's warmer. One cool thing I like too is uh, uh, I like monkeys and Elvis apparently <laughs> liked monkeys. There's a lot of monkey stuff, like little monkeys holding up things, little yes. like, statue monkeys, and. It's interesting. Jungle room. Yeah, there's a jungle room. Yeah, and so cool. Everything's carpeted back then too. They even carpeted yeah. ba- bathrooms, which is a little nasty, but they did that back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so you go there, and then you go out to the pool, and this it, it starts getting emotional because you go out to the pool, and the graves are all there. Like Elvis yeah. and his family are actually buried there. Like Elvis, is, I was been at Elvis's grave. I wasn't prepared. I didn't really do the research, so. I I didn't know that actually. I, I guess I should have known that, but I didn't know that. Like so, it was kind of like I'm at the pool, and it's like, oh, here's Elvis. There is his grave. It's like I so I wasn't like, like I wasn't really prepared for that. You were shook. <laughs> yeah, and <it> was, like, <laughs> I, I guess well, I, 
say. I guess I knew I knew it was there because I knew his grave was somewhere because of Spinal Tap. That's right. They had that scene in Spinal Tap. But <laughs> but they don't show you exactly. They don't. It's not like a long shot that scene. Like they're just up right by the grave and they show their faces. So you don't see that's by the pool. You know, maybe they thought it was distracting or something for, for whatever yeah. reason. So I didn't know. That's the thing I wasn't prepared for. I wasn't prepared that the graves were so close to the pool. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so I'm like standing by the pool, and then I'm turning around, and the graves right there. I was like, oh my god, and it was very emotional. But then it gets very emotional. Then you walk into this room afterwards that's like a shrine, like a, and it's all this Elvis stuff, and and they play the 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 trilogy, the American trilogy. Oh, yeah. So that's a yeah. song that brings me to tears, man. Yeah. That's a beautiful fucking song. And they know what they're doing. They're like going for the emotional pull. You go in there and they're playing. They're playing like after you just saw his grave, like you just saw Elvis and his family's grave, and then you go into this room and it's a shrine and they play, you know, that the American trilogy. And yeah, it's very emotional. It's a very emotional experience. And just don't go a few blocks away because it's a ghetto. But if you're right there, you just go there. You're safe, you know. Uh, they got yeah. they got security. But yeah, you both should definitely go see. Uh, oh, I need to. I want to see the. For me, I, I love the the pool room. Looks really cool. Like the billiard, cool. billiards, as some people in some regions call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I always loved about uh, Elvis was, I guess. Uh, a lot of his rooms, he would like, he would have like curtains up, or he'd have no windows at all, and he always liked to crank the AC. And that's like kind of how I am. I hate windows. Like if there's a window, I always like to have it covered. I don't like any sunlight coming through, and I like it super cold. So I like, I always thought that was kind of cool. So I'm like, oh man, I'm just when I found that out, I'm like, oh cool. Me and Elvis are similar like that. You know, we like it cold, and we like no light inside the rooms at all. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's because you and Elvis are both very white. <laughs> yes, I'm a very white man. So yeah, I, I, I don't mind a little, uh, you know, s- some muggy weather coming in and touching uh, me. <laughs> I'm so more guess, tropical. Yeah, well, you guys live in Florida, so. But yeah. I guess now, because uh, we've been recording for a while now, I guess now we talk about, um, obviously, the newest movie that came out, and also, too, the, the John Carpenter one, which... I really like and I really like and Edwin I believe you said that was your that's your favorite like Elvis like uh, biopic pick. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's a, that's my favorite. That's a fair. I like the new movie. I saw. I don't like. I don't love it like Ralph. Um, though I feel like yeah, I'd probably be on the other side of it. I don't like hate it. I like I like some scenes from it. I thought overall like. Um, Stylistically, I felt sometimes it it wasn't all about Elvis, but the style of the movie, uh, where I kind of like things a little more straightforward. But that's just more personal taste, you know. I think the actor did a really good job, uh, especially in the Vegas scenes. I thought he did great when he there's that scene where he's doing Suspicious Minds, yeah, and you know, like he nailed it. Like you could tell that he he put into work. Like he studied his moves. Like he got he did all, good. He got all his moves down, and and I like the part. I think that section of the movie it got a little darker, got a little grittier. I like when he was kind of up against the colonel. I yeah. like that stuff. I like that period. It was probably my favorite part of the movie, and I like that earlier scene. Like I said, when he first shakes his hips and all the girls go nuts, mm-hmm. and I there were some things I I didn't like. There were some things I did like. It was a little bit of a mixed bag, but I did think you know I could see why a lot of people love it. 
And, you know, it got a lot of people in the Elvis. It got a lot of younger people now listening to Elvis again. So I think that's great, and that's awesome. But I kind of, like, even though objectively, like, I could kind of see that the new Elvis movie is, like, a kind of a, a bigger and more kind of an ambitious kind of cinematic experience than that John Carpenter movie, which was essentially like a TV movie. You know, it was a TV movie in America. Yes. It was a theatrical in Canada, I believe. But in America, it was a TV movie. So, and it kind of seems like a TV movie. But it's a TV movie in 1979 directed by John Carpenter coming right off of Halloween. It's and a movie with Kurt Russell. And with Kurt Russell. First I think time. he was the best. Yeah. I, I love Austin Butler. I think he did amazing. But I, Kurt Russell, to me, still gets has the edge as the the best guy to portray Elvis. He well, was so good. I think Austin Butler probably like like he he. I would say he's like it's a better acting job technically, like because he's he's like really portraying him and he studied and all that stuff. And he's not naturally he doesn't naturally look so much like Elvis. So it's a little I see more acting there. So I'll give him credit. I think Austin Butler did more than Kurt Russell did. But Kurt Russell's just natural, naturally, I think, a little closer to Elvis looks than mm-hmm. acting. Like he's from that, gen- he's closer to that generation. He has a little more of that just natural machismo, so he doesn't really have to try as much. And it, you know, he just he just feels a little closer to Elvis to me. That spirit a little bit, anyway. I, I also uh, feel like he, uh, like, because there's three Elvis, three actors of Trey Elvis that really stand out. There's obviously Austin Butler, Kurt Russell, and the other one was the Dick Wur, Dick whatever from Elvis and Me. Because Elvis and Me was like the one movie they played like nonstop on TV when I was growing up. I yeah, always remember I, that. Yeah, that's the guy like that was in Firestarter. So. Yeah, and he, he did not look like Elvis. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't that good. That was but a good uh, but, but was, I, I, what were you gonna say? Oh, sorry. I like Kurt Russell because for me, like, the dick whatever guy, he was like, they portrayed him as like, they portrayed Elvis as really, like, nasty and mean-spirited and whatnot. Then the newer one, Austin Butler portrays Elvis as really, like, a goody two-shoes, whereas I feel Kurt Russell portrayed Elvis as just a normal human being. He was a good guy, uh, you know, but, you, you know, he would have his temper sometimes. I thought Kurt Russell portrayed both sides good. Like, yeah, Elvis had a little bit of a temper. He wasn't perfect. But then he was also, like, deep down, like, he was a great guy, and I felt Kurt Russell had the perfect balance. Yeah. So that's I, another reason why I liked him, like, probably the best. I agree. This is the other thing, too. I'm a... John Carpenter's probably my... Like, he's, like, like maybe my third or fourth. Like, he's in my top five favorite filmmakers. He's and, my number uh, one. Yeah. My my number one's Brian DuPont. But it's like similar kind of directors from a similar period, you know. And John Carpenter... I mean, it's just like, you know, this is his first collaboration with Kurt Russell. They went on to do, like, a thing and, you know, Big Trouble Escape in Little China, Escape from New York, you know, Big Trouble. You know, so so that movie kind of works. It's not just an Elvis movie to me. It's also a John Carpenter, Kurt Russell movie. So, yes. so, so it works on a lot of levels. Plus, generally speaking, I just like that period of filmmaking. I like the grittiness and everything yeah. is a little darker and kind of grimier. Like, you know, opens with him shooting the TV, and there's just something kind of grimy about it, you know, whereas the new movie feels a little more produced and polished. That, yeah, that, it's very glitzy and glammy. Yeah, so that, that so it's just it's just a personal taste. Like, I mm-hmm. can kind of see that new movie is like a more, like kind of a, it's kind of more, it's like a better done movie, but mm-hmm. I just like the scrappiness 
time. It's almost kind of like what Ralph was saying about the sunset sessions. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know, there's something that just feels a little more rough and rock and roll about the John Carpenter one. So that's why I, yeah. like, that's why I like that one better. Uh, but that's just my personal take. Uh, so, but I'm curious about Ralph because I know he, I think he's kind of the other way around. I, think I know you like, really love the yeah. uh, the newest movie, and uh, I do I do remember you saying you you do like the the yeah. Carpenter one, but just not as much. Yeah, I do. I, I love the Carpenter one, but the thing the thing I like more about which I think this was the best one mm-hmm. is that this guy wasn't playing Elvis; he was Elvis. And looking at Kurt Russell, you know, I see Snake Plitzkin. You know, I see, you know, because he's such a familiar face that it's, you know, and uh, I see Kurt Russell doing Elvis, where this guy, I don't know who the fuck this guy is, but yeah. uh, and and yes, he doesn't look exactly like Elvis. Some some shots he does, like some profile shots and some distance shots. Yeah, but his acting was, I mean. God, I mean, I, I'm watching this movie, like, not realizing I'm watching an actor. It's like I'm looking at Elvis, his mannerisms, his, and he sings. You know, he sings. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah, that's that's his voice. No not way. In all, not in all of it, but yeah, uh, a lot of that is him singing. He sang some of those fucking songs. Damn. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's impressive. Yeah, either. I knew he was a singer because he was like a Nickelodeon star. Well, he sounds like Elvis, man, in those songs. Uh, but not every song, but the ones he does sing, man, he just... Yeah, the one, um, that's all right, that's him. Really? Yeah, and I just thought... And a lot of people bashed Tom, uh, Tom Hanks in it. I thought he was fine. I thought he did good. He was, like, very despicable. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, did, I, I, I hated his that, man. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of what he was supposed to do. You were yeah, I, thought, I, I thought was watching it last it. night, and I was getting like fucking. I was actually like, I was editing the the ACDC episode, and I had the movie on the background, and I, I was like legitimately like getting. I was pretty drunk too, but I was like legitimately <laughs> getting pissed off. I was like, yeah, "Fuck you, man! Like, fuck you!" <laughs> yeah, I was getting pretty pissed. <laughs> But yeah, he did his role perfect, man. I mean, he, he was a he was the villain, but at the same time too, it's like, man, it's it's kind of like a Sharon Osbourne thing. It's like you hate like how they are now, but at the same time, it's like, well, fuck if you know he didn't if he wasn't around, Elvis would have never gotten to where he is. But it's like, man, fuck you now. You're just being a greedy asshole. Well, it's the same thing. Like uh, like Brian Wilson's father and Michael Jackson's father. Like you get these people that they they they. They create these, like, on one hand, you go, well, they made these people stars, but on the other hand, that doesn't justify them being assholes that then, like, ruin their lives. Like, it's just kind of, it kind of cancels out it out in a way, I feel. Yeah. I don't know. I, I definitely, I hated the Colonel, and I, and oh, the things man. I know about him, I do think he's responsible for Elvis's death. I, I agree. I mean, what do you think about that, Ralph? No, no, it was 100%, because he, he, Elvis was alone, like I was saying earlier in the episode. He was alone. Nobody had that magnitude of fame that Elvis did. And he had nobody really to turn to because all he had was yes people. I mean, the closest was Priscilla. You know, that was, and you see that in the movie where she's like the only one that really cares about him. Yeah. And everybody She still cared about him in in the end because she she bought Graceland and she's the reason Graceland became such a huge... uh, tourist attraction you know she still cares about that man yeah and, you know she came out and said elvis didn't lay a hand on me till i was legal you know yeah and uh who knows maybe he didn't but there she is protecting him you know 
Yeah. And, uh, but, and, 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 you know, and I got to say, man, I mean, I said it before, and I'll say it again. Nothing. I mean, uh, you know, John Carpenter, all that shit, t- it was great. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't touch me like the ending of this yes. one. Yes. And I'm not just talking about an Elvis movie. Any movie didn't really, like, gut me like the way that movie ended. The way they showed the real Elvis singing his ass off. It was just, my God, what a climactic ending to this movie. Where it was a two-hour, 40-minute movie, and it just flew by. And that to yeah. me is, is great when you sit through. Like, The Godfather is a long-ass movie, but it just flies by. You yeah. know? And, and that's, I just thought that this movie was just, yes, if you're going to look at it through the eyes of an Elvis fan, like if you know every little detail, you know, you're not going to get it. Look, I like Bohemian Rhapsody, and that shit was so full of shit. Same here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On the first tour, they're doing uh, Fat Bottom Girls and shit like that. But <laughs> I was still entertained by that movie, you know? Yeah. Unlike, unlike The Dirt, that shit was complete garbage. Oh, God, I hate that movie. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I got to you know, I'm not dissing the John Carpenter. I just really enjoyed it, not as... An Elvis, you know, uh, mm-hmm. documentary, you know, of all this stuff that, uh, uh, you know, it's going to fly by a lot of shit. It flew by the movies and, and a lot of stuff. But, you know, and also, you know, the whole thing where the colonel's getting pissed off. Oh, I want it to be a Christmas thing. That's bullshit. He, I mean, that whole preparation, you didn't see no fucking snowman on the set. Oh, no, it never got to that stage. Yeah. Early stages, like, yeah, the colonel wanted it to be a Christmas thing, but by the time they were actually shooting the thing, they knew what it was going to be. Yeah, that was bullshit. But they got to do stuff like that to, yeah, cinematic purposes. Exactly. And and that's why I accept it. You know, a lot of people are very anal about, you know, nitpicking about little, little tiny things. And I get it. People are fanatic and, and this and that, but I have like this different view. Entertain me. You know, because if you're going to go through every little thing, it's not going to be as entertaining to me, you know, as it would if you breeze by a couple things and enhance, a, you know, a little reality here, there, here and there. But I just thought what made the movie for me was the performance of Austin Butler. I just thought the guy was Elvis. It was like he possessed Elvis. It was like I, I can't think of any movie of anybody portraying somebody in real life that captured like this dude did. It was just scary how much the, this guy was Elvis. I I was watching this movie like if I was watching Elvis, not a guy playing Elvis. That's oh. why I thought it was... Uh, I just liked it more. I just thought it was a phenomenal, well-done movie. I don't know nothing about this dude. I know he's done all these other movies mm-hmm. that my niece is a huge fan of. <laughs> but, you know, he does a lot of, you know, fast editing and shit like that. Yeah. And, yeah, but, he did. He did the Great Gatsby, Romeo and Juliet, yeah, I, Moulin I, Rouge. I didn't see, Moulin Rouge. I didn't see none of those, so I can't judge it from his past. But yeah. I liked it. I liked the quick editing. I liked the fast pace of it, and it just kept me entertained the whole time. I got that. I do, and I do think Austin Butler did a very good job. Um, and Selena, I, that I, was I'm probably a, another good one where someone like. Jeff yeah. Lopez really became Selena. I'm a big I, Selena fan. I gotta say, I think that I think the just to throw it out there, but I I think the actor that most embodied someone, I gotta give it up to Val Kilmer. I think Jim Morrison. I think oh, and he sang all that stuff too. He sang every yes. line. 
He, I don't know. When I'm watching The Doors, I don't think Val Kilmer. I feel like that's Jim Morrison. Like, yeah, I, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah I, I used to think about because for me it was like Jennifer Lopez as Selena. That was like really good, but I forgot about Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison. Yeah, yeah that's, right. that's my favorite. If I have to pick, that's probably my favorite biopic too. I pick Oliver Stone. I mean, that I don't. We all we have certain memories. Like that was like. I was like a teenager sneaking in. I was like fourteen, like sneaking in. Yeah, those into... cool older kids get you in. <laughs> yeah, you remember that story. I remember that story. I, yeah, older kids like stuck me into that movie, and everyone's like smoking pot and getting high, and it was like it was like a rock on. It was like we couldn't go back in time and see the Doors live, but you could. That movie was yep. like So I so it's hard to top that movie for me as far as biopics go, but um. Mm-hmm. The Ralph, did you see the HBO like about a couple of years ago had a really good documentary? It was two part. I own it. The Searcher. Yeah, um, Searcher. Isn't that great? I think it, I it's amazing. I've seen that. Yeah, that's the best Elvis documentary. Yeah, there. it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, own, I, I own it. And uh, have you ever seen Elvis and Me or what was it called? Elvis, Elvis and Me. No, Elvis. Elvis and Nixon. Oh, yeah, no, oh, the movie. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I yeah, saw that. I, yeah, it's it's goofy. Yeah, it's a popcorn <laughs> movie. But man, the way they portrayed Elvis was hilarious. He was kind of like mildly retarded and just so <laughs> so out there. And and, and you know, uh, I just thought it was. It's a really fun movie, but it's not a great movie. Yeah. But it was fun. And and here's a little tidbit that my, I've never said this before, but you know. Just to prove how fucking old I am, I <laughs> saw Richard Nixon in person. Wow! Are you I did serious? not know that. I never knew that about you. I've right. never said this before. It was I was seven years old, and he came to Terrytown, New York, where I lived, and he was uh, he had like a sunroof, and he was waving to the people, and he drove by, and I saw him. I forgot. So, yeah, you lived in New York for a while. I, I yeah, apologize. Why, why, why were you living in New York? I was yeah, born, why are you living in New York, man? I thought you were like born, Miami guy. I was born in, in Terrytown, New York. Terrytown is uh, Sleepy Hollow is yep. right smack in the middle of Terrytown. I know Terrytown. I've been there before. Yeah, it's real like old school, like Washington Irvin type shit. It's yeah. beautiful. It's a beautiful... Oh, it's what? Oh, the autumn? The fall? Oh my God. It's one of the most beautiful places ever. Yeah, uh, the winter sucked though. Yeah, I can Yeah, you hate the winter. So you actually saw Nixon. So you you have a pretty good memory of it? Oh, I, I remember it vividly. I was already of age of remembering. I was about seven or eight. And, yeah, it was a big news. Nixon's coming to town. And, we you know, we were all lined up. It was like a parade. And here he comes waving at all of us, you know, like driving by and waving at us and shit. So, yeah, I saw Richard Nixon in 1972 or one. Damn. Because I moved to Miami in 73 when I was eight years old. Wow. Well, my nice. first eight years was up in upstate New York in Terrytown. And, yeah, and Sleepy Hollow, man, I've been in there. The Headless Horseman statue. I don't know if it's still there, but there was a statue deep in the woods. And oh, that's awesome. I never saw you know, that. I lived in a town in Illinois called Sleepy Hollow, and our, you know, my elementary school is Sleepy Hollow Elementary. And every Halloween, we would, uh, you know, we dressed up. We'd go outside and there would be a guy dressed as a headless horseman. He would ride around the because our school's like round, and he would ride around the whole school on that horseback. And it was creepy as shit, but it was awesome at the same time. Yeah, uh, they wouldn't do that nowadays. It would when, when I was trigger too many kids. When I was living in New York as a little little kid, the most mind blowing thing I ever saw on TV 
was there was an anim- maybe maybe it was Disney. There was an animated movie on on the Headless Horseman where they drew Terrytown exactly how it is. You saw the church. You saw the little. There was this little park with waterfalls across the street from the John Paulding Elementary where I went to. They drew it exactly. So here I am at home watching a cartoon of my town. Was it uh, Legend of Ichabod Crane or whatever that was called? Might have been. I yeah, yeah, it's, it's the yeah. one where he throws the pumpkin, the jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. That's always been one of my movie. favorite. Well, oh, they, they they went all out because they drew that town identical. Main Street, uh, the, the Main Street stores, everything was identical in that cartoon while I was watching this little kid at my house. It was legit. Did not know that. That's pretty fucking awesome. You know, so so Elvis and James Brown, another thing they had in common, they both loved Nixon. They both got <laughs> pictures of shaking his hand. Yep. I always thought they should make a movie about Nixon giving, because, you, know, you know, he gave Elvis a badge, by the way. Most people don't know this. He gave Elvis a badge to help him with uh, drug enforcement. Did Elvis bring a gun into the White House, too? I mean, he tried. Elvis, oh. Elvis was, like, kind of talking to Nixon about, hey, listen, the, the rock and roll kids, like, they, they, they trust me, so, you know, I can help you. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to be a narc. Yeah, I love Elvis, but he did want to be a narc. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was but, a cool narc. He let him like, um, slide. Is that, James Brown probably more or less just did the black version of the same thing. He's like, hey, man. That's a movie I want to see. The, bro- the brothers, trust me, so I'll narc on them for you. So so James Brown and Elvis, I, uh, yeah, the movie, I would call it The, God, the, the Godfather and the King. And yeah. Nixon appoints both James Brown and Elvis to go undercover. And the idea is that he's just kind of pacifying the stars. Like, they're not really going to be the guys, but they're supposed to be, like, red herring operatives. <laughs> but, but Elvis and James Brown, both being crazy, decide to they, – they really end up busting, like, the real drug cartels. And, and, they get, and the thing is, Elvis knows karate, but James Brown knows crazy. <laughs> and, oh, you got to have James Brown with his orange safety glasses – Oh, it'd be awesome. Who wouldn't yeah. want to see that movie? Ralph, wouldn't you want to see Elvis and James Brown bringing down the turkeys together? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd, love, I'd love to see that. And also, too, they need to make a goddamn Rick James movie. That motherfucker God, needs a movie. Fucking. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, because they, they made a movie called um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer. Yeah. Yeah, they could do but, that. Why yeah, not? They should have, like, you know, like, base it like in like Black Dynamite with Elvis and James Brown. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm gonna work on it. It's one of my projects, and <laughs> I agree. A Rick James biopic called uh, I would call it "Give It to Me." Some people would go super freak, but I'd go "Give It to Me." But uh, also, he, he was slept with Linda Blair. A lot of fun stuff going on. For Rick James yeah. cocaine. He 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 wrote a song for Eddie Murphy. He he tied a woman to a chair for many weeks and gave her crack. Good story. That's entertaining. <laughs> that's that's entertaining story. That's Fuck fucking, the dirt. That's a fucking Crew. movie. God, James Brown's a real fucking badass. Yeah, this fucking Motley Crue poster. They never yeah. fucking kidnapped a woman and forced fed her crack. Yeah. Never. Or or her, or, or overdose on heroin. Never. Yeah. Never. They never I wish I can shit. find it because I did a deep Google search <laughs> and I can't find it. But I remember, I remember vividly back in like 2000 when I first got on the internet, 99, 2000, Mick saying that the overdose was pure bullshit. I'm sure it was. It I was. I can't find it. Yeah. But I did read that. Man. Yeah. 
You can tell. They're just fucking posers. They That's are. But no, Vince, well, Vince Neil and Mick Mars aren't poser. But yeah, Tom, I like Vince Neil and Mick Mars. Nikki Six, especially, and Tommy Lee are fucking posers. Oh, yeah, Tommy Lee, especially. That motherfucker just jumps on every fucking trend. Yeah, him and his big dick. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Fuck them. Fuck them. We're talking about real rock and roll. Yeah. Oh. Right, so, Edwin, did, yeah. did you... I know we probably know the answer, but did did you cry at the end of the, the new Elvis movie? Did you cry? Well, yeah, I mean... Like I, I've seen that clip before, so uh, so we were talking yeah, a lot I, about crying on our last episode. <laughs> yeah, I cr- yeah I, cr- I cry at the end of Jaws too. So yeah, I, 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 yeah, I cry. You know. Wait, 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 back up. <laughs> you cry at the end of Jaws too? Yeah, but the father says to son, he's like, Dad, you did it, <laughs> and, then, and then John Williams' score comes in and. And Roy Schneider gives me that little look, like, "Hey, son, you shouldn't have done that." I don't know, something about that. I would, I would goof on you, but I. Your wife I, even I, was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I, my, my, my ex-wife at the time, who was my yeah, wife, right. yeah. yeah, she looked at me. I start crying. My wife looks at me and she goes, "Are you fucking crying at me, Jaws too?" I would goof on you, but I, I cried at the end of uh, "For Those About to Rock" once. Yeah, we talked about that on the episode. That, that, that's what segued. That's what led us to that conversation. I, I also I also cried at the end of Wreck It Ralph. You know that movie? Are you serious? I yeah. cried at the end of that movie. I, I don't know nothing about video games or nothing. I was dating like a young chick at the time, and we went to go see the movie, and at the end, I cried. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of an easy crier. So yeah, if yeah, I, see, I cry a lot, if man. I see Fat Elvis. Sweaty fat Elvis singing like this beautiful tragic soul. Yeah, fuck hell, I'm gonna get choked up. Yeah, I, I, I cried like a bitch. I, I knew it too, man. I, I knew well, it because well, I was like, I'm gonna think about my grandma, and then I'm gonna see Elvis and all the suffering he went through, and it's just like both those things are gonna make me fucking cry. I used to, I cry, I would get choked up or cry at the end of uh, This Is Elvis. Like I think there's a moment where there's a couple moments, you know, because one of the songs on my top five list is a song which I think I've talked yes, to you guys. Yes, you mentioned it to me. Yeah, so it's a little bit of spoiler here for you guys but yeah there's a song that instantly makes me cry like if or choked up i count choked up as crying because that's just crying that you manage to fight back you beat it but it's still there it's it's in there it's just building up it's like i don't know it's like in your throat or something but you you got it there's some crying there but you beat it down because you're a man but yeah yeah, but a real man a real man isn't someone that doesn't feel like crying. To me, then, I don't know, that's weird. You're not like a human being there, then. You got no soul. A fucking robot. Yeah. A real man is always on the verge of crying, but he fights it back constantly. Actually, I, every day I'm on the verge of crying, but I we fight were, it back. <laughs> we've been talking a lot about crying. It all started with me going to TSO and when they dedicated If I Go Away to Chris Oliva and uh, Paul O'Neill and Chris Caffrey started like crying on stage and I started crying and John Oliva was there at the at the show I was at and I'm pretty sure he was crying so and then now we just, we just been talking a lot about crying and shit it's good to have it's good for it men is, to good. express their feelings it's though. good yeah it's good to I cry cried, I cried at the end of Rocky 2 yo Adrian we did it I cried Daniel's song too. That's your song. I know you like. You had to leave the Elton John show during yeah. that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went That's a sad song though. I don't blame you. That's a it's really sad. sad song. I don't know what the fuck happened to me, man, in my youth. Something. I, I think I was like diddled with that background or something. Oh. I also oh. also cried when when Rocky got cancer in the first Creed movie. I 
cry. Every oh. fucking Rocky movie makes me cry. Every even Rocky Five. Rocky when, Five made me cry because it was such when, a bad movie. No, hey, you're wrong. It's a good. I movie. hated it. I, it I has, hated it because Rocky like just lost everything, man. Yeah, that's that fucking street fights. The fucking most badass fight. Mike rings outside. It's fucking awesome. You want to? Yeah, see he's gonna end up getting stuff. sued and shit, and he's still broke as shit. <laughs> it was badass, man. You're just not from Philly, so you don't get it. But yeah. but no, when Mickey's ghost shows up and says, get up, you son of a bitch, because Mickey, Mickey loves you. Yeah. Mickey <laughs> loves you. Yeah, it plays me like a fiddle. I get choked up. <laughs> they, it all makes me get choked up. I got choked up. I the, cried when Nancy died at the end of Nightmare on, um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. I get a little choked up by that. I, 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 I get a little choked up when Joey gets killed in Nightmare 4. Even well, though, I, I just cried because that movie was so bad and it uh, killed even, all my fair characters. It's awesome, though. I'm thinking, oh, that's an awesome death scene with a waterbed. It's really cool, but I feel sad for Joey. <laughs> I, I, I cried my eyes out when Sammy joined Van Halen. I, mean, you I, 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 I cried, too. People people killed themselves when Sammy joined Van Halen. That was bad. That was a tragedy. <laughs> it's, it's important to cry. Okay, well, I think that's a good segue, because, you know, that's the thing about Elvis, is Elvis makes men cry, because he's he awesome. And, yes. and that's, I think, a good it makes segue. us question our sexuality at times, too. <laughs> not me. Not me, man. I'm secure in my sexuality, man. It's got nothing wrong. You know, I mean, that's the thing. You know, we're all human beings, and we all cry. It's just how we handle the crying, that's all, you know, yep. through. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I mean, especially fucking dealing with women. I tell you this, if I was gay, I would be crying less. Let me tell you. Because <laughs> gay guys are, you know, they just want to fucking have fun. For the most part. I'm not, you know, generally speaking. They're a little more easy to deal with. Fucking women are a fucking pain in the ass. That's all yeah. I got to say. They make Game you cry. Grinder. It's like, all right, I got. See these? These are all the guys near me. These are all the guys nearby that want to fuck. Oh, there's one right now, right next to me. Gay guys are still dudes. They're just dudes. They just dudes yeah. that want to fuck other dudes. Exactly. But fucking women. Oh my god, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other species. And they will break your heart and trample on it. And they just don't care. They're cold. They're cold. And let me tell you something. And I love them. Nothing against women. Just saying. Just they're saying. a little challenging. They're very challenging. They like will play the video fun. game on like expert level. It's like you can still win it, but it's like you, it's going to be a lot harder than if you're on easy mode. If you're a man and a woman doesn't make you want to cry, then you fucking I don't know. You you, you you got half your brains working or something. I don't know. You're just not <laughs> aware of what's going on. But. Everything, women, society, existence should make you want to cry constantly. But at the same time, you should also want to cry with happiness because there's a lot of awesome stuff too, you know. And also, women. Women are beautiful and awesome as well. That's the Hell thing. yeah. It's all awesome. chicks. It's one big crazy fucking stew of awesome and suck. You know, <laughs> if you gotta embrace Take the good with the bad, and that's all over Elvis. That's the thing about Elvis. Elvis is like why he's one of the greatest artists. He's got songs that are so euphoric and joyful, and then songs that are so sad and tragic. You know, it's the all the emotions. Even on his fucking Christmas album, you know, first half <laughs> fun, second half it's all these really sad, heavy hymns. You know, that's that, that's life. You know, that, don't you agree, Ralph? That Elvis kind of represents life in a lot of ways. Yeah, he, he to me he represents Americana, man. He's American. He's American. He's American. He's sewn into the thread of this great country. Yeah, and America. Yeah, right. America is kind of like the the center. It's like the the country that's most 
embracing life in a lot of ways. The good, the bad. It's where the action is. You know, it's the, it's the country that sucks the less. <laughs> yep. Everyone, even hey, people that hate America, want to be in America. <laughs> How many fucking music artists or pop stars or actors would serve their fucking country? Elvis the only one. Isn't Elvis the only one? Yeah. I mean, if you go back to like Benny Goodman type shit. I think it says Elvis. No rock and roll artist went to the army except for well, no, no, Jimi Hendrix. Oh yeah. Well, he was he went there before he got famous though, so it doesn't really count. Yeah, yeah, but still, it's so cool. Jimmy Hendrix is pretty fucking famous. awesome. Let me just—I don't want to go off on a rant, but people fucking should stop being racist and embrace Jimi Hendrix more. Yeah, yeah, fucking Jimmy yeah. rules, man. Yeah, I don't. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, people love him. They think he's great, but they don't listen to him as much as I think they should. Actually, not these days. When I, I mean, I, I feel if you're gonna say blue cheer invented metal, then yeah, you are racist. Yeah, yep. like, Jimi yep. Hendrix really kind of created it. 1967, I mean, Purple Haze, come on. Yeah, he was proto-metal, you know, for me, you know, I'm biased. Black Sabbath invented it, but if you want to go back, you know, yeah. listen to Spanish Castle Magic, and yeah. tell me that's not proto-metal, or Fire, oh, or you know, Voodoo Chop. I mean, all that shit is super heavy for the time, you know, and if you're going to say Blue Cheer... And by the way, I love Blue Cheer. Don't get me wrong, but when I see people say, uh, Sabbath didn't invent a Blue Cheer, it's like, motherfucker, Jimi Hendrix, bitch. Yeah. yeah. He was no, around for them, guys. Yeah. He, he was an awesome guy. He's an awesome performer. Like Elvis, let's bring it back, though. Let's do the top five. So, Ralph, do you have a top five favorite Elvis songs? Yes. Okay, I'm right. very excited. I, this is the fun thing about Elvis, because he has... You know, so many different periods, and he's so eclectic. Like, I have a feeling that we, we might not even overlap here. It'll be interesting to see if we do. But it, It's tough what I left yeah. off, but I got to say, number five is not a well-known song from Elvis. It's from uh, his album called Good Times. Yo, by the way, you got me into that, uh, and, you know, yeah, I never listened to that until you recommended it, and I love it. I listen to it, like, a yeah. lot now. Yeah, it's a great, like, kind of mid-'70s kind of country album. It's mm-hmm. awesome. The last song on there, Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues, is number five. Great song. That's my favorite song on the album. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Uh, Number four, American Trilogy. Yes. I mean, I watched that guy do that live. That one performance where he looks at the band with that pissed off face before he does Yes. Glory, glory. It's like, you look at his face and it's like a face that says, I'm about to fuck everybody up in this audience. (laughs) You know? Dude, I love that. It's just such a... God, just such an adrenaline rush, man. It gets me fired up seeing him do that face. Yeah. At number three, Kentucky Rain. Ooh, oh, beautiful awesome. one. Just right. missed my top five. It was same here, of, same I, here. I, were, I was thinking about that one, and it just missed it. So I'm glad you said it, bro. Yeah, Kentucky Rain is just phenomenal. That, you know, there, there again, that's what I was talking about earlier. The raw Elvis. You know, it's just so raw and... And I haven't named a popular one, and I guess I'm going to do that now. Uh, I will say uh, Suspicious Minds at number two. Oh, another one that missed my top five. Yeah, I love that. And Numero Uno, which is probably, in my opinion, the greatest Elvis vocal performance ever. And from the comeback special, If I Could Dream. Numero oh, wow. yeah, yeah, I agree. It, did, it actually didn't make my top five. But... I agree with you. It's his greatest vocal performance. I agree. Yeah, it didn't make my top five either. It should have, but I can only fit five. 
Yeah, I mean, I just song-wise, there's a few songs I like more. It would definitely break my top ten. There's no question about it, but it did, just missed my top five. But I do objectively listening to that. That's his most powerful vocal performance mm-hmm. ever. And it gets and, better, man. Every time I hear it, it just gets better and better. Well, that's an awesome list, Ralph. I, I, it hurt leaving Trouble off because I love that song. Oh, that's a good one. It's a good segue. I'm going to go next because guess nice. what my number five is, Ralph? <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for trouble. If you're looking for trouble. Number five is Trouble. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I want to change one. Uh-oh. I'm going to take out Suspicious Minds. I can't believe I left this one off. And it was the one I was talking about earlier. I should have wrote this down. From one of his uh, movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you said there was one of his yeah, corny yeah, movies. Yeah. Like. yeah, and I would put this at number two. Pocket Full of Rainbows. Really? Oh, yeah. no way. That nice. vocal on that is just phenomenal. I'll have to listen to that again. I, yeah. I listened to that once a while back. Uh, I'll have to listen to that again. Which, he, he, he delivered that song? Holy fuck. Wait, and we get, which movie is that from? Uh, G.I. Blues. Okay, I'll have to like. Okay, I'll have to listen to that one. Yeah. Interesting. So my number five is Trouble in the original version. Although I do love that version, he does it the comeback special. But that's a medley with Guitar uh, you know, Man, which is awesome. And I do love yeah. that version of Guitar Man even better than the the one which was also from a movie. Uh, I, Clambake, I believe. Yeah, I think it's Clambake, uh, which is a fun movie too. Um, but I'd have yeah, but that that. King Creo version though, just so badass. It's just so sexy and it, it's bluesy, dangerous. All this just got the hook. Danzig many years later did a version, and listen, nothing against Danzig, not half as good as the Elvis version. You yeah, know? man, that album was terrible. And <laughs> yeah, I yeah. really had high hopes for it. Elvis did an album and saw Elvis, and it's horrible. Yeah, you know, in theory, you would think, yeah, he's done songs that were influenced by Elvis. I mean, that sound like Elvis songs that aren't Elvis covers, like uh, that song on uh, Danzig 2 I like a lot, um, Blood and uh, Tears. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good song. But when Heart of the Devil is total Elvis. Oh, and that's a great song, too. It's funny. When he's influenced by Elvis, I like Danzig, but when he actually does the Elvis song, it's not as good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was just terrible. I hated that Elvis album. And I, I was so excited for it too. The reason, the reason that you don't like that you like songs that Elvis didn't do is because yeah. Elvis didn't do them. Yeah, yeah. If I heard him sing, <laughs> you know, if Elvis did "Heart of the Devil," you would not like it as much as it Danzig's It's true. That's the thing. It's, it's like I said. As soon as Elvis sings a song, that's it. He's like he ruins it for everyone else. The only exception was I never really. Liked when he did Beatles songs. I don't know. I oh, just yeah, think that, I agree. Yeah, yeah that's true. More, it's interesting because I do think there would be certain songs he could have done that would have worked, but I always felt he picked the wrong Beatles songs. Like he did Yesterday's. So like that's not good for Elvis. I think like or something. I think you know what would have been good would like Let It Be. Like Let It Be. I think he would have sang good. Oh, but, that would have been good. In, in yeah. my life, would have been good. Yeah, or, yeah, or gotta get you in my life. Like things that are more soulful or gospelly. Yeah, he he picked songs that I felt he picked the popular songs that I didn't think were the best songs for him. There's that one take I like when he's doing "Get Back," which was one of the outtakes from. You ever see that, Ralph? Where he's doing "Get Back." Yeah, it's pretty. It was an outtake from uh, "That's the Way It Is," and it was pretty good. Like when he does the rootsier Beatles stuff. 
I think it would work. But he always did the poppier stuff for whatever reason. Anyway, Trouble's awesome. That's my number five. Number four is a deep track. It's a cover, but like I'm saying, these covers, Elvis owns it, and his version's easily the best. It's a song from my, I got two songs from this album, my favorite Elvis album from Memphis. Uh, and it's called Long Black Limousine. Oh, yeah. good one. Oh, man, talk about emotional. And this is, a, it's a really well-written song. It's a, It was a country song, actually. It was a cl- really clever lyrics and sad lyrics about this uh, woman, this young woman that dies. And, it, like, she always wanted to be in a black limousine. And now she gets to be in a black limousine. But now, you know, it's because it's her funeral rather than being a star. And it's these really emotional lyrics. And it's a prime example of Elvis being, like, an actor who you can just, he just fucking... He acts the song. He doesn't just sings it. You know, like there's so much emotion in this song that it's one of those songs I do get choked up, you know, and it just keeps kind of building and building the emotion of the song and the production. And, oh, man, it's an epic track. I love Long Black Limousine. My number three track, uh, Eric and me have discussed, talked about this song before. It's my favorite song from that same album from Memphis, uh, Elvis from Memphis, A Power of My Love. Oh. Yeah, which is similar to Trouble. It's kind of similar to Trouble, but I think it's even better. I'm not saying a lot, but it has that, like, kind of dark, like, got deep bluesy sound. It's kind of a bluesy song. It's... You know, Elvis is great. and just... Just dirty. And I love the production. Elvis just fucking sings the shit out of it. It's, like, this. that's the most pimping song on my list. It's a sexy song. It's a sexy pimpin' album. <laughs> and I, it's like, it's one of those songs I feel like if more people heard, it would be a popular Elvis song, but for whatever reason, it's just, it was not a single, so people don't know it, but Power of My Love, that, that's a fucking badass tune. Yeah. I love that song. I agree. My top two songs are hits. Uh, my second favorite, and I alluded to this before, man, you want to make me cry, you just put on this song. It's very easy. Always on my mind. Is this something always on my mind? It, it happens instantly too. Like as soon as Elvis starts singing the first verse, I start getting the feels. There's just something about the song, even when I was a kid. Now my feelings for this song, obviously after going through a divorce and stuff, like this is a song, like you know, I start to get really emotional. But it's Elvis sang it again. He didn't write it, but he recorded the song right after he separated from Priscilla. It was the B-side, actually, not the A-side, to uh, Separate Ways. Separate Ways is a good song, but, man, they, it's obvious that this should have been the A-side, and it should have been yeah. around. And years later, this became the more famous song. Willie Nelson did a version. His version's nice. It's a good version, but no, nowhere near the Elvis version. You can't just you just can't touch an Elvis singing a song. And... It's just so emotional, and I remember, I think the first time I heard it was in that This Is Elvis documentary. I think they played it when he was breaking up with Priscilla. And, yeah, it's just, it's a very emotional song. I always felt emotional when I felt it. Obviously, after a divorce, I felt that way even more. And, you know, I was just listening to it tonight, and, yeah, I got choked up. It's just, it's, you can hear, like, that's the thing. He didn't write the lyrics, but it's just like, you know, Marlon Brando didn't write the movies, but, you know, he fucking acts and throws his personality into, you know, Jack Nicholson and these great actors. You know, Al Pacino didn't write The Godfather, but he fucking acts the shit out of it, you know? That's Damn the thing. Right. 
yeah, Elvis you know, might not wrote it, but who gives a fuck who wrote it? Like, listen to that. He's living it. He's obviously living this song. It's the reason the, he chose that song to sing. The, yeah, the reason he chose that song to sing, that time period, splitting up Priscilla, it's all over that song. The emotion is just so raw and powerful. And I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. So, no, so I gotta move on. <laughs> I gotta move on. I don't wanna cry. I don't wanna cry. <laughs> okay. But moving on. But always on my in my favorite Elvis ballad. Number one is his biggest, like one of his, I would say it's his biggest hit post the early hits. Like his, it's his biggest comeback song. Ralph had it on his list before he moved it off. Uh, Suspicious Minds. But. Nice. It's the but. It's a specific version. It's the live version from Elvis in person at the mm. International Hotel. It's, I mean, I love that studio version. It's great. It sounds better live. I agree with you. It kicked the, the, the tempos, you know, it picks up the tempo. It's a little faster live. It's longer. It's more epic. I think Elvis sings it more powerfully. You can hear it's like the rip, it's the victory lap. Like this is the first time he was singing it live. Like, uh, it's, this is the first shows. He was doing after the comeback special. It was in, it was like short, it was like very early 69. I think it was like January 69. So it was like right after the comeback special, uh, the Colonel, you know, booked those gigs at the International Hotel. So in Suspicious Minds was his like latest hit at that time. It was just like released like a month or two before. So it was like a new song when he was singing it, this version. And to me, it's like you, you could just hear the, the joy and, and the swagger like in the song like it's the ultimate victory lap song like I'm back and I'm back with a new song I'm not just like singing the old songs and Motley it's all true yeah and it's, <laughs> it's similar to my favorite Rolling Stones song is Midnight Rambler and I think Ralph agrees with me here too I recall you saying this once but my favorite version is the Get ya- Your Yaya's out version uh, yeah, yeah. And it's like that, that version specifically is my favorite Rolling Stones song because it's just like they pick up the tempo and it's just more epic and it just swings more and it's just more rocking. And it's very similar to that. Like I consider that Midnight Rambler the definitive version of that song. And I consider the Elvis in person at the International Hotel version of Suspicious Minds. Like that's the version of Suspicious Minds in my opinion. And when they show it in movies and when he's performing live, I feel like that's the version they're doing, you know? And it's it's epic. And I think both objectively and subjectively, it's the greatest like Elvis statement ever. And I always get charged up. And it's it just keeps going on and on too. It like goes on. They keep like stopping and starting it up again stopping and starting up and you just don't care it's kind of like the hey jude ending like there's just something kind of hypnotic about it like you could just keep hearing it you don't mind hearing him singing like you know we're caught in a trap like over and yep. over there's just something about it I, I also have to say i moved I, I i replaced it but obviously i gotta put it at number three where good time charlie i gotta put at number six but suspicious minds i put at number three Okay, he moved it up again. <laughs> but is, is that which which no, no, no. Suspicious Minds was number two, wasn't oh, it? Oh, I, I got confused. So I but, put Pocket Full of Rainbows above it, and taking Good Time Charlie, that was number five off the list. Which, which version is your favorite? Do you prefer the, the live version or the studio version? Um, to tell you the truth, I got to listen to the live version again. It's from the international. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll listen to it again and, and make sure, but. 
the one I'm used to is the studio version. Yeah. So I can't tell you it's better than the live version, but I can't tell you it's worse either. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make, uh, compare. Yeah, well, you got the record. You could spin it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll spin, <laughs> I'll spin it when we're done here. Awesome. So, and Eric, what's your top five, your top five favorite Elvis songs? Alright, so luckily, um, luckily I kinda knew probably what songs you would pick, Edwin, and I kinda have a feeling what a couple songs maybe Ralph would have on his list, so I wanted to make sure my list was a little different. What so, are you, Mark Alden Taylor? Yeah, you should, you should just pick what you want to really pick. Well, no, I love all these songs, and Elvis is one of those artists, man, like, if you had, I have to pick five songs, there's a lot of songs that I could interchange, and they could be my top five. It, it's tough, because he's got a lot of good ones, man. It's like trying to pick, like, your top three Armored Saint albums. It's just like, I could interchange any one of them, and they're all going to be good. So, but, no, that, I love these songs. These songs are amazing. So, the first one I'm going to go with is A Mess of Blues. One of the, like, kind of older school songs from, like, his earlier era. I love Mess of Blues. That song just rules. Um, I love that old school, you know, 50s rock and roll sound to it. Uh, number... Uh, number four would be, uh, Baby What You Want Me To Do from the 68 Comeback Special, like you were talking about. Oh, it. man, but I the love intro, where, like, he does, like, the kind of the guitar intro, where he's just kind of jamming on the guitar, stomping his feet. Um, oh, it's just, it's so cool, especially watching it and just seeing how cool he looks. Like, he is just, he's just the ultimate rock star, and, man, he just... The way he sings that song, the way he's playing guitar, it's just, it's so badass, and I... I love that song. It's very short, too, but, man, it's just, it's amazing. My number three would be uh, one you picked, Edwin, Power of My Love. I, Woo, good job. I love that song. It's just, it's sexy. I definitely feel like maybe more of, like, a, more of, like, a heavy metal fan or, like, a hard rock fan who maybe might find Elvis's music a little too uh, light, a little too soft would probably like that song a lot. That could be a song that could like be the gateway to get someone that's into more heavier rock into Elvis because that's a pretty like for Elvis it's a pretty heavy song. Yeah, it's a, I would call it, like, it's kind of hard rock. Yeah, I can hear like yeah. like Zeppelin or someone doing it. Yeah, I def I agree with you. And people like ACDC and stuff like that. Yeah, I could see them getting into that. Yeah. yeah. All right, and my number two would be. Hulk Salad Annie. Oh, I love uh, the that. live version. Yeah, I, and I love it in the movie, the new movie, where like it's showing Elvis at the International, and they, he's got the guns in his boots and his belt, and like the people are coming on the stage, and he's like starting to get like the you know the colonel's starting to make him think like you know oh there's a lot of people after you this and that like you don't want to leave you don't want to go and do an international tour. It, the way they worked that song into that scene was just so. It, it works so well, and, and man, it's just another badass, like, just, it's another cool rockin' song. I love it. The way he sings it is awesome. That's another one, like, I heard the original, it's it's good, but, man, Elvis has, it, Elvis has a little bit just, more pep in its step, you know? Yeah, and Elvis just owns it. He made it his own, and I agree, that live version, it's on um, on stage, which is yep. a great album, too. I love yep. that. On, that's my second favorite live Elvis album. Um, from the same, it was, um, you know, uh, there was, there's two live albums from that period. They're both, they're all from the first round of dates he had at the International Hotel in 69. And the first album was the International Hotel album, which, you know, they put 
the one me and Ralph were talking about earlier, that's a double album. That focused on like songs that Elvis was generally more associated with. And then on stage, it's from the same shows, but they, that album focused on like songs that weren't really thought of as Elvis songs. Like he does Runaway, Del Shannon song, good version. Uh, that's not a, a song where I still kind of probably like the original a little bit better, but Elvis does a good version. Does some BG songs, does some Beatles stuff. It's first time he does CC Rider, which would go on to kind of be thought of more as an Elvis song, but it was like the first time he did it. Great version. And yeah. that, that's where he did Polk, uh, Salad Annie for the first time. That, and I believe the single was from that album, was that live version. And, yeah. he, and you know me, I don't like, I usually don't like food mentioned in my songs. <laughs> So when when a song I can like a song that much and it mentions food, that's saying something. That's an interesting thing too. It's just because there's this idea to go back to this idea that just uh, Elvis was always like a white guy doing black music. Like both like this one of the songs on my list was like um you know long black limousine and yep. Pokes Salad Annie. They're country songs. Yes, but but Elvis makes them like soul songs. He makes them funky. He makes them soul songs, but same way he takes like uh, you know R and B songs and stuff, but adds the country. Yeah, exactly. To it. That's what I'm getting at. Like he he kind of, that's just who he naturally is. Like if you give him something white, he'll make it black. If you give him something black, he'll put a little country to it. Like like that's because he's both. He's like both things, you know. Yep. And and yeah, I mean it, it's just you could just hear it like in that those songs like straddle that line. That's one of the things I especially I love about the comeback period. It's, it's a little like the Rolling Stones with like Exile Main Street, where he's like, there's songs that just sound like, you sometimes listen to it and you go, like even Suspicious Minds, like, what is that? Is it rock? Is it country? Is it soul? It's like, it's kind of like everything. It's just like an Elvis song. You know what I mean? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like, it's just like its own thing. Like he's just, it's, I guess you were saying like Americana. It's American music. That's all you can say. Like Suspicious Minds is, it's American. That's all I can say. It's like yeah. every, he really is. He's the most important American artist because it's like he's bringing it all together. Sometimes like so much that you can't even tell what's what. You can't tell what's where the country begins and where the blues ends. You know. Yeah. And yeah. I'm gonna state my my number one, and this is a tough one. It was between this and another song that's kind of similar to it. Uh, and I'll say the runner-up, you know, it was almost Unchained Melody, just because of the ending of that movie, yeah. but I'm gonna give it to the other, the other song, because I've known it a little bit longer, and it, it makes me just as emotional, and that's American Trilogy, that song is just so, so powerful, so emotional, and, uh, it's one of those songs, if you don't feel anything, if you don't tear up, or you don't feel anything in your heart, uh, when you hear that, I mean, you just got no soul. It's just, it, it's a powerful song. It's just so beautiful. And, uh, it's one of those ones, man, when he, that big finale, man, it, just, it almost brings me to tears sometimes. It just, uh, it hits you right in the soul. And, uh, I love Ralph when he mentioned, the that live video where, you know, he has that look on his face of like, no one in this audience is going to be the same after hearing this. He's got that pissed off look on his face and the band kicks in. It's just, it, it's just so powerful, man. It's just, it's amazing. I love American Trilogy and I just, I never get tired of it. And I always feel something when I hear it. Have you heard Man of War's version? I've heard Man of War's version. It's, it's not bad, but it's, yeah, obviously no one can touch Elvis. 
No, but he, 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 he does an awesome job. He does. I will admit, he does a good job. I also love that same album they did, uh, that Pomerati uh, song or whatever. Yeah, yeah Nessie. Oh. Norsa Duum or whatever. That's yeah. really good, too. Uh, I'll admit, man, both those covers on that album. I love the Warriors of the World album. That one's really good, but uh, I love the two covers. Are, are Man of War American? Yeah. Yes. Oh, from, I always, they just I always, always tour Europe. That's the yeah, thing. I always thought they were like a British band. I mean, they're, from, like, they're from upstate New York. Yeah. Oh, there you go. For Terrytown. <laughs> yeah, around there. I mean, they, okay. they pretty much were the same region where Dio was from. Ah, there you go. If you look at the bass player, Joey, like, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy's totally New York. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I gotta listen to more Man of War. War. I, like good, first, man. I like the first album, you know, I like Deftone and you know, some... Yeah. yeah. I like Fighting the World, Warriors of the World, and uh, Into Glory Ride. Those are my favorites. What, 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 what do you think? What's the best uh, Man of War, Ralph? For, for me, it's, it's a toss-up between Kings of Metal and the first one. For me, it's fighting the world and uh, the first one. So there you go. If any metalheads happen to listen this far into our Elvis episode, you got a little Man of War there. Yeah, for the metalheads, yeah, you well, mentioned Man of War. Go listen to Man of War do American Trilogy. That way, you're an Elvis fan. Yeah. Man of War doing it, it might turn you on to the band. There you go. Oh, yeah, and not to mention, too, we, we did mention Kiss at one point in this episode, so we should get the Kiss viewers. <laughs> oh, my God, Kiss. All right. Well, l- listen, Ralph. It was so awesome as always. You know, well, you're our favorite you, guest. Yeah. Thank you so on. much, man. Always That's a pleasure fun. just rapping with you. I-, I feel like we could just talk about anything. It would be fun. So you know, yeah. especially Elvis. Anything this week? Anything you want to plug or talk about? Anything you're into this week that you want to throw out there? Um. Uh, no. I. I mean, I got the Almost Human YouTube channel, the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. And I'm on BraveWords.com now. What's BraveWords.com? What's going Brave, on there? BraveWords, you, know, you, you ever heard of BraveWords and Bloody Knuckles? No, I have not. No. Well, that, that was a very popular magazine back in the day where, where Martin Popoff pretty much uh, ran it with another dude. And uh, they hired me to go on BraveWords.com. to I do little minutes segments where I just, you know, I got a minute to get some point across. And I go on there and I... Just say, you know, whatever, like I, I like the Y&T documentary I did. I, I talked about our Queen, the first band to ever write thrash songs and stuff like that. You know, and I do it all in, in a minute. Nice. And yeah, I do like one or two a week and they put them up and I'm on. Yeah, I'm on the BraveWords.com and the BraveWords YouTube page. So go on there and like my video and subscribe and subscribe to my channel, too. Awesome. Sounds yeah. good. I'll oh, check yeah. that out. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't really have anything uh, to recommend that we haven't talked about. I mean, you know what? I'll just to throw it out there. I really love that second dancing out. That's a good so, one. I love it. That's my, that's my favorite, Lucifuge. Yeah, that's my favorite too. Yeah, I, 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 thing. I do love the first, the the first one, and I like the third one. I'm kind of a little out after that, for the most part. I like, thought I thought the fir- the fourth one was phenomenal. So underrated. I'll have to listen to that. Yeah. I do. Have, I own it. That's the last one I own. That's so big album. I mean, yeah. You know, I'll listen to it again. I. I mean, I didn't hate it, but I, for whatever reason, that wasn't one I. I it's not one I go back to a lot, but I'll re-listen to that again. Yeah, but 
But uh, I don't know how you do you say lucifuge? How do you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, it's just lucifuge. That's how you say it. Yeah, they, it's, that's always been my favorite. I just fucking love Danzig oh, yeah. to lucifuge. It's got his hairy chest on the cover. Yeah. It's cool. And, you know, it's just so many great songs. I find my favorite's Killer Wolf. Love that song. No, second favorite song. Tired of Being Alive is my favorite. I oh, love it. Uh, yeah, that's bad. But they're all, I mean, there's. I'm looking at this, like, there's a lot of great fucking songs on this. I'm the One. Her Black Wings, oh, Devil's Creeping, Blood and Tears, song I was telling you about that sounds like an Elvis want song. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an awesome album, and I think his best album. It's back when Rick Rubin was still a good producer. So, on Deaf American Records, but yeah, from uh, 1990, Danzig to Fuge. If you haven't listened to it in a while, it's an awesome album, his best album. Oh, nice. nice. It's a great album. I guess I'm going to throw out a recommendation as well. Um, I've, I've been on a big Wasp kick ever since I saw them uh, last week uh, on tour. I, I traveled to Ohio to see it, so I've been on a big Wasp kick. And before I went to that show, I used to strictly be an 80s Wasp guy. And then like I liked like Unholy Terror and KFD. Uh, but I didn't like a lot of the newer stuff. But before the show, I, I decided to like give some of the newer albums a chance. Because a lot of them I just kind of listened to once and... They didn't grab me, and I just kind of didn't like them. So I really did, like, a deep dive, and I've really grown to love a lot of, like, the newer Wasp albums. They really, like, grew on me. And so I'm going to recommend one that, like, I really love to the point where it's now my number two favorite Wasp album after the debut. And I'm talking about 2000, I think it was 2007's uh, Dominator. I think that album is amazing. It's just, you know, there's only one song I'm not too particularly fond of, and even that one now is starting to grow on me, which is Heaven's Hung in Black, the ballad. But I think that album, start to finish, is just phenomenal. It's it's different, like, lyrically and musically. It's very different from the debut, but on its own, it's just such a phenomenal album. Uh, Long Way to Go is a great, like, kind of faster song. Uh, there's a really great song called Take Me Up, which is very similar to, like, Sleeping in the Fire. I think it's almost like Sleeping in the Fire, and it's almost kind of like a, it's kind of like a sexy song, kind of, but, like, with a little bit of darkness. He does a really good song, because this is the album, too, where he discovered his, like, uh, he, he became a born-again Christian, and he has a song called Heaven's Blessed, which is, like, him talking about his newfound, you know, faith. And that one's really cool. That's like a song I can hear Striper doing on one of their newer albums. Really badass. Uh, you know, they got, you know, the last song, Deal with the Devil, which is almost kind of like old school rock and roll-y, uh, a little bit ACDC. It's just a really great album. Um, I-, I totally recommend listening to it, especially if maybe you're one of the people that is not really into, the, like, newer Wasp. I'd recommend giving it a spin, giving it a chance. It's I think it's really fucking good. All right. So uh, I, I have to, you know, I only own the first two Wasp albums. So I, I'm and we're about to review a shitty Wasp yeah. album uh, uh, next in the next, uh, I think, like later this month. Yeah, yeah, I got to do a crash course. So I'm going to do a crash course. So uh, I'll listen to their late listen 80s. Listen to Dominator, man. It's, it's a good one. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll do my Wasp crash course. Uh, I don't know where you wrap just to say, I mean, you, I mean, obviously, everyone doesn't everyone just admit that the first album's the best? Isn't that kind of like science? That's science. Well, yeah, it is my favorite one. But I'll tell you something funny, man. I yeah. think the greatest ballad ever written was by Wasp. Oh, really? Yep. 
I love that fucking song, dude. That's my favorite Wasp album. It's so fucking beautiful. I love it. What what album album is that on? uh, It's on Still Not Black Enough. Do not listen to it, Edwin. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you do. Anybody that's been divorced, do not listen to that song. Okay. I listened to that song after like a breakup in high school. Yeah, it is the most heart-wrenching song I ever heard, but yet genius. Genius. That sounds like it could be an Elvis song. I could hear maybe... Maybe that's just me, but I can hear Elvis doing that song. It's it's just phenomenal. And there's another ballad on there called Breathe that's pretty damn good. Oh, but, that one's really good, too. Yeah, but, but man, uh, keep hold, uh, holding on. He's like, and, and it's weird because it's like, wow, my favorite ballad's from Wasp. You know? <laughs> he's got like, a good voice, though, man. I mean, amazing. he can... Amazing. Great metal voice, but he can he can do a good ballad though. His voice is just he's got so much soul in his voice. Yeah, no, and, and just the way he delivers and the lyrics to keep holding on is just so heart wrenching, man. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you talk about and believe it or not, I haven't cried to that song yet, but I will <laughs> eventually because I you know. But it is it's just a song that. I'll give you an example because you, you're a, you're a big fan of Phantom of the Paradise, right? Uh, oh, yeah, it's uh, both of us. I think me and Eric are both fans. Great right? fucking yeah. movie. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's it's as good as All Souls. Oh, that's such a beautiful song. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's got that, that vibe. It's that beautiful. Okay, it's, it's like it's, dark, dark and beautiful at the same and, time. And it's even more mellow. It makes All Souls sound like fucking death metal. Alright, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dare to listen to it. You know, I wanna cry. That's actually a good album to I, I wanna, start with. I'm in the mood to cry, so I'm gonna, All right, I'm gonna lean that's into That's a good it. album to start with, cause it's, it came out like right after the one we're gonna review. Okay. Yeah, that shit's overrated. Oh my god, very overrated. The Crimson Idol? Yeah, that's what we're reviewing. Spoiler. So I, I never actually, I never listened to it, so this will be. I'm interested uh, to hear what you think oh, about a lot, it. A lot of people love that album. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I bit, my opinions changed a little bit on it. I probably won't be as harsh on it, uh, but I mean, I still think it's very fucking overrated. Spoiler alert: uh, Mick Watkins doesn't like it. And he loves Wasp. So Jimmy James loves it too. I kind of like the yin and yang aspect of it, so that's why I had both. I want both of them on there. Yeah, so it'll be, a, and I like I'll be fresh to it, so it'll be a new mm-hmm. album to me. So you'll get a lot of different point of views. Generally speaking, I don't like concept albums, so. Oh, you're, I hate this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just sounds, avoid the neon god though. That one's very bad. It sounds very concepty from what I'm re- from what I read on Wikipedia. I was like, oh shit, this sounds like everything I hate about concept albums. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought neon god was even worse. Oh uh, neon, see at least like crimson. I I feel bad saying stuff about because we're about to review it, but uh, I'll keep it very short. But crimson idol, at least I feel like there's. There's good stuff in those songs, but it's just ruined by the whole Blackie trying to make a concept album. Whereas, man, yeah, God, man, there's only like one song out of both those albums that I like, and the rest of it's just so forgettable. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it was a huge disappointment because I was really, really excited for it. Yeah, that was the album that those that was the album that made me and my dad stop being first day buyers for new Wasp albums because that Neon Gods was just such a horrible letdown. Yeah, well, you think that's bad? When that album came out, it was an import, right? You couldn't get it here first. Fucking Ian bought it as an import. And he, <laughs> and he, <laughs> I remember his story fuck, about Crimson Idol. He fucking hated it. He's like, well, at least I didn't buy it as an import. That that's even more painful paying import money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, that's uh, devotion. I would never buy import without, like, 
already having some buy into what the album was or the band. I don't know. It's time. I miss fucking Ian. Goddamn it. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. Now I'm really gonna cry. I'm really I, gonna cry. This man. is even sadder than the end of Jaws too. Fucking Ian Wallace. <laughs> yeah, whatever well, you do, don't don't think of Ian while you're listening to that. Keep holding on. I, I'm gonna listen to that Wasp song while I got Jaws two in the background while thinking about Ian. I'm gonna watch <laughs> Harry and I'm gonna watch uh, Harry and the Hendersons uh, to think about Ian because that was the movie that made him cry. Oh, it's sad. All there, right, so. there's a there's a version on YouTube. Keep holding on. Watch, watch that one with the lyrics. Okay, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that yeah, right now. Anyway, that. so anyway, once again, Ralph, always a pleasure. One on, final dude. final drink. This was for Ian. One, this, is, this one's for Ian, Christy Alley, Elvis, my grandma, and all the other cool people we've lost. There you go. This one's for them, yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, and Tom Cruise Day for you Scientologists out there. And keep your fingers crossed that Terrence dies. And Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Yeah. P- peace out. Peace. Terrence Burke. Oh, my love, my darling, I've hungered for your touch, a long, lonely time.